When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's gonna be a football game tonight now. No doubt. It's gonna be a football I'm game. Here. Okay. I, I don't get here. Before. All right, let's go, baby. Play clock at five. Bash is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. are the first national champions of the playoff era. Ladies and gentlemen, football to football. Your host, Sean Garmer, Gary Vaughn, and Randy Isbell. I forgot I had to click click browsers for a minute. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is football to football. Yeah, I know we're a day late. Apologize. Internet outage again. But hey, we're here, so that's that's what ha- uh, matters the most. Uh, I am your host, of course, uh, Sean Garmer, after I butchered the intro already. And with me today are my co-hosts, Mr. Gary Vaughn. Easy co-host that's the most happiest because of a quarterback change, and I think a lot of people will be excited about hearing about that later on. You could say Gary almost has a hard on for that quarterback change. He will be excited to talk. I mean, he will be the most excited you ever heard to talk about Case Keenum. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, anyway, uh, our also equally awesome co-host, Mr. Randy Isbell. Yeah, my power went out as fast as the Cincinnati Bengals offense did. love it (laughs) well Uh, yeah I mean uh, hey at least you know they didn't go out on their own though I mean Houston's defense did a lot to contribute to that and we might as well just go ahead and get into it we're going to get right into our NFL week 10 recap we're going to try to get through these a little faster than normal as you know we do realize that we are a day later, and usually by Wednesday morning, no one cares about the previous week. They're already talking about the next week, which is week 11. And we'll, we'll do that before we get out of here previewing uh, the Thursday night matchup, which we haven't done in a while. We keep forgetting. Uh, that's bad on my end, being the host and everything. But, yes, I've seen so many commercials for that Titans and Jags game. We might as well <laughs> talk about it. 
But, uh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll also, the third college football playoff rankings came out. We'll talk about those and uh, look back a little bit at the college action from the weekend. And we also have a topic, which we haven't done in a little while. There's been so many quarterback changes over this week, whether they're because of necessity or because, you know, quarterbacks have been performing so badly they had to do it. We'll talk about those. And there might be even one that might happen that we don't know whether it's going to happen until those games are being played. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. And, of course, we got our power rankings, our player of the week, and Gary's finishable waiver pickups that you need to do for week 11 as well, which will be the last week of bye weeks. So then we're going to get into a bunch of weeks where we're going to have a full NFL slate, which is going to be a pain for Randy and I. But we'll get to that when we get to it. And just for anyone wondering – uh, unless for some weird reason they have me working overnight on both Thursday and Friday, which I work retail, so you know how crazy it gets on Black Friday, we're going to be doing our preview show on Friday night, Saturday morning for that Thanksgiving week. Don't expect this on Thanksgiving night, as you know, I'm sure Randy and Gary have things that they need to do with their families. I'll be working, I'm sure, so... You know, uh, we'll be able to talk about those Thanksgiving games, though. So, at least that'll be enough there for us to do. But let, let's get into this. That Monday night game was weird. Not certainly anything I think we thought we were going to see a 10-6 to game when you're talking about the Bengals being at home and everything. But we also saw the return of TJ Yates to the Houston Texans. My goodness. Uh, the Bengal killer. And he certainly was that. He scored the only touchdown of the game, throwing it. Well, he didn't score it himself. He threw it to DeAndre Hopkins, and he made a beautiful one-arm catch that led to the 10-6 victory. The Bengals uh, saw A.J. Green fumble the ball or get it stripped from him at the end, and that pretty much killed the game. Quentin Demps did that uh, to him. And, you know, Tyler Arfred saw some weird drops as well that could have extended drives. And there were also penalties and Dalton through an interception and caught a few other things. Brian Hoyer had to go out to a concussion. So we don't know yet if he'll play against the Jets on Sunday, but we'll get to that when we talk about the quarterback thing. But what did you guys see in this game? Just really weird to see TJ Yates just beat Andy Dalton again. Randy? I still don't think really TJ Yates really beat Andy Dalton as as much as it, like you said it was the Texans defense. This game was just so boring and just nothing's going on and it was like neither offense could really get rolling. We're looking at a six three game for most of the fourth quarter till finally that touchdown pass and the the running game was just non existent and it was like anytime you thought one of the offenses were gonna get anything going it just it quickly fell apart and just very ugly uh, a Monday night football game. It, it's kind of funny because we kind of thought the defensive struggle would be Sunday night and that had a bunch of scoring in it. And here we are with one that we thought a lot of scoring might happen and, and we get a defensive struggle. Yeah, exactly. And that's why football is so much fun uh, because there's all sorts of outcomes. These games that we try to predict, we try to do it, you know, all the way down to, 
you know, the backups, you know, what are the backups going to contribute to the game? How is it going to be? And it never ends up the way we expect, but uh, your brain is completely right. It was a completely different game. You know, I, I alluded to this in our rabble, uh, th- and, and this game really reminded me of another game this weekend just because of the way that Cincinnati's offense came into this game. They really expected that they were going to be able to get past this Houston defense because they've seen other teams do it. They figured they could exploit some things, especially Tyler Eifert. He's been hot. They figured they'd get him the ball plenty of times. A.J. Green, you expect a ton of catches. That's not the way this thing worked out. In fact, if you ask me, I think the Houston Texans were watching college football this weekend. I think they were watching that Baylor and Oklahoma game, and they saw what Oklahoma did to a Baylor team that had been pretty much scoring on anybody anytime they wanted. Uh, and that was a perfect example of what the Houston Texans did here. They blanketed receivers. They made sure they got plenty of pressure on Andy Dalton. They made him make mistakes. They got to him whenever they, if they weren't sacking him, they were rushing him really heavily. And the running game wasn't really working out either for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I just, that to me, it's a mirror image of what we saw on Saturday night on Monday night. So I think, you know, it was a surprise, but can you say that you didn't expect that You know, at a former time? I, I kind of expected this kind of a defensive front, possibly, for the Houston Texans, Texans in the preseason. Never really thought it was going to fruition after we watched a few games in the regular season, but they showed up that night. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that what I saw was that Yates was willing to make some throws that Hoyer wasn't. I mean, he completed two-thirds. I mean, that that's the thing. That was that drive where you're going, okay, maybe the Bengals' defense was thinking, okay, he'll throw an interception. Something will happen here for us. They weren't expecting him to make these these throws right to uh, basically it was the same tight end both times in Griffin on a third and eight and a third and 13. Then he made that terrific throw to Hopkins who made the touchdown. Uh, and that was kind of your your big drive for the Texans. Like Randy said, a lot of it was very defensive. Uh, each quarterback, I think, got sacked uh, three times between the two quarterbacks uh, on the Houston side, and then uh, Dalton as well. So it's just uh, it was a, it was a really weird game, honestly, and one that I think the Bengals will be sitting there going, well, it's kind of just one of those where everybody has an off night. And uh, let's see what happens. But you're not expecting those at home, certainly. And uh, you have to wonder, do you think this affects them at all? Going into another primetime game, a huge one against the Cardinals, a Cardinals team that already showed, you know, they're they're no joke. They went in and, and did what they had to do on Sunday night. This, you know, last week, what are you thinking for that? Could, could we see the Bengals be 8-2 and two already? Yeah, definitely. I, I think even if they would have won this game, I probably would predict them to lose to Arizona uh, just on the road. Arizona is a very strong team, uh, so I can definitely see them losing. I could also see them loosening them up now that you know their undefeated streak is over and that pressure's off, and now they can just go back to playing football and and they can refocus on on a really good team and and surprise us. Gary, uh, what do you think on that end? You think it's is it going to be one or the other? I've already heard of some Bengals fans there. It's, you know, I, I've heard one extreme to the other. I've heard a lot of people, for some reason, 
Bengals fans are already going crazy about, oh my god, the season's over, we're not undefeated anymore. And you have the more realistic Bengals fans that I talked to a few today that were saying, you know what, I, I'm kind of expecting a loss on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Where, what do you see in there, Jerry? You know, uh, people like to over, you know, exaggerate things, especially when it comes to, you know, their teams. And it's either really good or really bad. You know, there's really, you know, the middle of the ground is not usually there, and there it sounds like you talk to people that are kind of realistic, and I could definitely understand where they're coming from. And I, and I too, right now, in this early prediction, I, I would almost want to go ahead and hand the win to the Cardinals just because of what I saw against Seattle. Their ability to make things happen when the defense is making it tough on them, uh, at least you know Carson Palmer and the rest of the offense did a great job. Uh, when we saw him Sunday night. So, I mean, looking at this game, uh, we just saw him Monday night for Cincy. I could definitely understand that. I don't think we're going to worry about Cincinnati coming into this with a low confidence level, though. I think those guys are confident as ever. They understand that, hey, they just got beat. They, things weren't working out. That's the way that the game plays out sometimes. So, I don't think those guys coming into this game afraid that they're going to lose. I think they're going to be ready to play. I think we're going to see a really big, tough game again. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but... I still think that Cincinnati's defense is not a slouch. I still think that they're going to give the you know uh, really Carson Palmer a lot of trouble here and there, and I think that they're going to be able to stop Marshall Lynch at times. But I still lean towards that Arizona offense being more successful, and I do really honestly Andy Dalton. So I, I, I do think that the Cards will be fine. Uh, well, on the Houston side, <clears throat> we'll, we'll talk about T.J. Yates in more depth later because there's a chance he could as I mentioned, play on on the on this Sunday coming up. Let's focus on this defense, who certainly hasn't looked at all like the defense that we thought they were going to be at the coming into the season. Some of that is also due to the bad quarterback play for a lot of those games, especially with Ryan Mallett. Do you think that this, now that they are first in that division, who, who would have thought that coming into this year at all? Um... Is this defense now had a wake-up call and, and that we're going to see more of the better Houston defense going forward? Or was this one of those games where they just got up for it because they're in prime time and it's going to kind of even out? I think part of it is, you know, it was prime time and I think they really got themselves amped up to try to, you know, give Cincinnati their first loss. Um, yes, they've won three of their last four, but it, I mean, it, their three wins are Jacksonville and Tennessee, and then you, obviously Cincinnati on Monday. I, w- I want to see them do it against a really strong offense that uh, that's really rolling, and I think we're going to see that. Uh, the Jets don't have that great of an offense, but after that, they get New Orleans and Buffalo and New England. So that's their chance to really show what kind of a defense they really are. Um, but yeah, sitting there tied with Indianapolis at four and five, the division is up for grabs with Andrew Luck missing possibly the rest of the regular season. So I think they have to feel really confident about getting into the playoffs now. Yeah, I mean, you just never know in this league, and that's exactly why I think that you know they're going to try to duplicate what they did. Is it going to work? I don't know. I'm not sold yet that this is all of a sudden a just an excellent defense. A defense is going to come in and just take teams down like they did in this game I, I think we did see him get hyped up of course for a big primetime game I really think that you've got to look at what they've done in the past you've got to make sure that you get your reality into check and understand that this team has had some issues had some troubles uh, against you know even just average teams so 
you know, could they be good? Could they really come in here and, you know, really give the Colts a, a struggle here to get that division win? I, I think that they can. Uh, but I got to see it. I, I'm not sold yet that they're the real deal. Fair enough. And I think, you know, we've pretty much hit on everything for this game. So let's uh, move it along to start. Let, let's start, you know, we already mentioned a lot about the Cardinals and everything. Let's let's go ahead and start with that Sunday night game. Uh, this is one of the games that I did on Ravel with Brandon. And this game was crazy. Uh, it went four hours for one. Which was, I mean, talk about, like, I'm sitting there going, it's, it's 12.30. Why is this game still going on? Uh, I'll tell you why, because there's so many reviews and penalties and things going on. Just too much stuff uh, going on. Uh, I think this is, this is just as much of a case as the Cardinals being really good as it was Seattle killing themselves. They had 14 penalties. For like a hundred and something yards, like a hundred and thirty something yards, a lot of them started drives were holding, personal foul, some kind of false start. Like if you're starting at second and twenty-five, how are you supposed to do anything if you're the Seattle? Especially, it really hurt them in that first half, and they they really didn't start getting rolling until they had all the fumbles on Palmer. It was really the defense that got them anything. Again, Russell Wilson wasn't anything for this uh this offense i mean I don't, I don't know what's going on with seattle with their offense but they're not not really getting things going at all uh, marshawn lynch was held again to like 60 yards and uh, you know carson palmer was huge i think he had the most yards uh since tom brady in like 2012 against seattle uh, 363 yards and three touchdowns. Fitzgerald and Michael Floyd go over 100 yards. Floyd got two touchdowns, including one really pretty one where he, like, toe-tapped in the end zone. Uh, so, I mean, just... And it's the fourth time the Seahawks have lost the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's... It, wow. And, and all five losses have been to teams that last year they would have beat. You know, so... Uh, Randy, I have a question. I mean, we kind of already talked about it a little bit, talking about their game next week, but are they a legit threat now to win the Super Bowl? Have they done enough for you now, now that they've beaten a division rival, pretty much sewn up that division? Yeah, I thought they, I thought they were a threat to begin with. I had them, you know, before the year losing to Green Bay in the NFC Championship game, and I think they make it to at least that point still. I mean, to me... There are very few challenges in the NFC. It's Arizona, it's Carolina, it's I still think it's Green Bay, and then a little bit of Minnesota. Uh, everyone else has a lot to prove. I mean, they still have six, seven games to do it. So, so I mean, they have plenty of time to get things rolling. I'm not. We're not to the point unless your record is so bad to really count you out. I mean, things bounce back and forth in the NFL so fast. But yeah, absolutely. As Arizona starts figuring things out, now you have Andre Ellington who's still there to make those big plays, and Chris Johnson is still turning back the clock. Arizona's a real threat. Uh, Gary, I mean, uh, what is wrong with Seattle's offense? Can you pinpoint to one thing? Is it uh, Russell Wilson having to run around because of his offensive line? Is it Wilson himself? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is it, what do you think? I think, you know, there's a few factors here. I think one is the fact that, you know, their offensive line has struggled so much. But is that the big point here? No, not really. Let's be honest. Even when, you know, Russell Wilson had an offensive line that really did, you know, a good job for him, he still had to get out of the pocket. He still loved to run around. So you got to take that out of the equation to an extent. I really just feel like that they've kind of lost their luster when it comes to running the ball and being more uh, even when it comes to their offense. It seems like they're really more determined to be pass-happy at times. And not only that, it seems like teams have kind of figured out what they do, and they really haven't adjusted to that. It just it amazes me that they've kind of had the same offense that they had, except they added Graham, who's been really, you know, kind of not there um he's okay but honestly he's not been there all the times they need him he's he's been their most consistent receiver though exactly he has but he has not exactly been just the jimmy graham we saw with drew Brees, and that's because it's a different quarterback right so you know it's a whole different thing here and i think that you know we've got to look at the fact that teams do know what's going on now we've seen marshawn lynch injured hampered uh, and, you know, they used to rely on their defense so much. And earlier this year, you couldn't really depend on their defense. I don't know if it's the Cam Chancellor effect or what, but it was almost like all the attention was on the offense, where in the past it was more about the defense and they set up the offense. So I think there's a few things that we're kind of figuring out now. I, are they going to get better? There's a possibility. But I, I just right now you're kind of seeing that yin-yang not be there. No, fair enough. I mean, to, to me, I, I look at it like it, Russell Wilson has to get away from his pocket so he can see where he's throwing, for one. And he's not able to do that. They're keeping him kind of hemmed in more often than not. And so it makes it more difficult to, for him to figure out where he's going to throw. They're blanketing these receivers. And they're taking away Marshawn Lynch for a large part. He's having to fight for like two and three yards and make something out of two and three yards and push it into bigger gains. It's not Marshawn Lynch ripping away 10-yard gains, getting first downs by himself and stuff like that. They're having to do more to get those first downs. And then when he throws it down the field, he's having a lot more interceptions than normal. And that's that's the thing, too. Russell Wilson is known as a quarterback who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's been making a lot more mistakes this year. Than, than in the past, too. Yeah, and, you know. yeah, and I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've just been kind of curious what you guys think about this, but we've seen other scrambling quarterbacks, which I'm not really equating Russell Wilson as scrambling because he's not a run-first guy, for sure. But he definitely uses his legs a lot. And what we've seen in the past is those guys who have to get, use their legs – 
have to move around a lot, don't exactly you know succeed, and teams kind of figure them out really quickly. We've seen Michael Vick go from really really good to all of a sudden be very mediocre. Um, you know, decent quarterback, not terrible, but decent. And it seems like that's what we're seeing here with Russell Wilson. Now that teams have kind of figured out what he does best, they've stopped it, and he's had a struggle with that. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? Go ahead, Randy. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. He definitely needs to improve on, on, on his mistakes and, and all that. Yeah, I, think I mean. The bigger part here is this: the defense is not creating the turnovers that they used to, uh, especially against the better teams. That's that's the key here. They've lost to really good teams. They ha- they they beat the the mediocre teams, the bad teams in front of them. That's what you're supposed to do. But then if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you have to be able to beat these really good teams. And they're not creating except for in this game and even then Arizona knows them, plays them so many times. They they didn't have to play last year. They didn't have to play Arizona with Carson Palmer. Mhm. So they didn't get to play this offense. They got to play Drew Stanton and Ryan Lindley, which they're a different team with those guys, you know. So uh, I think it's just one of these things where they don't – right now they don't know how to beat these these good teams that are in front of them. And, and he does get found out because he's having to work all the way down the field, Russell Wilson. He's having to – they're having to come up with more plays for him, and they just they figure him out after a while. Yeah. I think this is just you know the the way it works in the NFL. You, you know, you you have success, you have pieces leave because you can't afford them, right. and and then everyone game plans for you because they they have so much film, and, and you are now the target. So you, you get rid of one of your best offensive linemen for Jimmy Graham, who, yes, he's been a reliable wide receiver, but you can definitely tell they're not on the same page. I mean, Jimmy Graham has a really bad drop in the end zone, which was pretty costly late in the game. And and you have Russell Wilson then trying to do everything, which is going to be a complaint that we've said about Johnny Menzel, is he tries to do too much. He wants to roll out and all that stuff. So all you have to do is contain him. And then right. and, and work from there. And I think I'm not saying Russell Wilson is Johnny Manziel, but I mean you can kind of contain him the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I, I think with me and Randy both, I mean, it, it's I'm glad he touched on that. And it, it's one of those things you've got to adjust your offense. Like Randy just pointed out, you've got tons and tons of film with Russell Wilson now. You can make things change. You can figure out, hey. You know, we've never done this, or hey, Russell, maybe you work on this certain part of your game a little bit. Maybe you adjust. You've got to adjust constantly uh, to be successful in this league. Yeah, and we had another crazy game that was right before this, uh, which was the other rival game I did with uh, Brandon, which is our game of the week as well, uh, the New York New England Patriots and New York Giants. And this thing lived up to all the building and more. Uh, just... You had uh, controversy with the Odo Beckham touchdown is not a touchdown thing. You had uh, Julian Edelman went out in the first quarter with a broken foot. He's out until the playoffs, basically, for New England. And you could tell when he went out in the first quarter, New England could not move the ball uh, as well. Um, they got very fortunate with the Gronk touchdown and, and everything, but the Giants were really kind of keyed in on him. Uh, JPP was getting to Tom Brady. Uh, just 
they they were up for this game completely. And it just it, not only that, it's just you could tell Tom Brady. There was a thing missing with with Julian Edelman when he was out. Like all of a sudden, Amendola could could be you could double Gronk now. And and you're having to fig, you know throw it to a LaFell and throw it to an Amendola and you don't have Dion Lewis either and Legarrette Blunt was was getting stuffed and a lot of the avenues they had in their offense is gone you know so you had that uh, Giants couldn't score a touchdown in the second half which is an issue um, even though the Giants forced the Patriots into turnovers they couldn't convert them into touchdowns uh, you know ODB. You know, Beckham had that big, long touchdown catch, which was great. You know, it was really cool to see. It's the longest play ever on Bill Belichick, I think. Uh, And then all of a sudden, he was pretty much, I mean, I don't want to say shut down, because when a guy gets over 100 yards, you didn't shut the guy down. But Malcolm Butler tightened it up after that. Like, you didn't hear from Beckham until (laughs) that touchdown, honestly. And, uh, you know, just uh, the punt return from Amendola, which really should have been a touchdown if his guy doesn't get in the way. Uh, and then, you know, the the fourth and ten conversion that he gets. I mean, so many times the Giants had opportunities. Uh, Landon Collins, or what, uh, yeah, Landon Collins, that interception that he drops because he lands on his elbow and hurts himself, that would have went into the game right there. And then again, I don't understand what's going on with Tom Coughlin. You're, you have four downs at the at the New England 10-yard line. What are you doing passing the ball that many times? Why are you not running it once? At least once. Your key is to not only score or try to at least get points. Your key is to also prevent the New England Patriots from having time on the clock. It just You've been through this, what, now, like three or four times. How do you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again? I, I, maybe it's his old age or something, but just to me, I, I don't, I don't understand how you keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, I, I, I will say Dwayne Harris was huge in this game. Again, uh, touchdown, 82 yards. You know, still uh, something that I think the Cowboys need to think about sometimes when they, when you see Dwayne Harris have big games like that, but. Either way, I mean, you know, I, I heard a lot of Giants fans saying this was a one of those, I think, the same thing when the Jets lost to the Patriots. This whole thing is it's a good loss because they only lost by one and it was a field goal at the end and all this stuff. Is there such thing as a good loss right now for the Giants when every time you lose, you let the teams below you have a shot again at that division? No, there's definitely no no thing as a good loss, um, especially like you said, that division's tight. You have Washington and and Philadelphia half game behind you. Um, Washington being a really surprised team, and the Eagles, you know, having a very terrible loss themselves this week. And now you're sitting here giving any of you Dallas fans any form of hope because you're only what two and a half games out, and Tony Romo returning, so. Yes, losing to New England, it was expected if you're a Giants fan, but when you have the chance to beat them, you need to, to, to finish the job. So you can't come out of it going, ah, well, we gave it our best, and it, it sucks that we lost, but we expected to lose. It's like, no, we expected to lose, and we had a chance to win. We needed to pull that off, and we did I heard it. Coughlin in the postgame 
kind of blaming his players a little bit, saying you needed to finish the game. Isn't it your call to make the to make the pass plays there in the to the end zone? Shouldn't you be blaming yourself a little bit there? I actually don't mind the play call. Uh, it does suck that you know, for one, it's an incomplete pass, and for two, it do- it doesn't waste that one extra second because there's what two o two o six left on the clock. I want to say off the top of my head when that play happens and they stop the the play with two o one left. Uh, right. So I I think if that it, even if it's an incomplete pass and it hits a two minute warning, no harm done because it's, it's you know the clock's going to stop anyways, and then you run your offense from there. But because it didn't quite run off that six seconds, then it looks bad. Gary, I mean, was this the Patriots' toughest test they're going to have all season? You know, it's one of the toughest tests because, I mean, we talked about it before. I mean, the Giants, for some reason, somehow have the Patriots number of times. And, of course, we've seen their success against them in the playoffs, Super Bowl, uh, all that, but I mean, honestly, I mean, I think you know there are some other teams coming up that they could have some difficulties with. Is it one of the toughest tests? Yes. Is it the most toughest test? I don't know about that. I think they still got some chances here. They still got some division games, and you never know. Um, those division games, yeah, they may be teams that you could sit here and say, "Oh no, they should beat them," but you just never know. That's right. I mean, they even have a uh, same situation like with the Giants, you know, last time. Uh, they do have uh, the Jets at the end of the season. So. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be uh, a very... Is it... No, it's uh, it's the Miami. But Miami's always been a problem for them anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll have to see when we get to it. I just, to me, again, just this is one of those things that, I mean, the, the Eagles lost too, but Washington's, they're they're going. And I I would be a little worried. I mean, now Washington has to play the Giants when the Giants get off their bye week here. Uh, that's going to be a, a bigger game than it would have been had they actually won this game. You know, so uh, well again we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. But another bad loss: the Green Bay Packers losing to the Detroit Lions for the first time in Lambeau since 1991. Uh, there's been a lot of things that's happened since 1991, Randy. This is just another one of those. Uh, do you see this as like Green Bay's just like in a free fall right now? They just they're in that funk of losing. A little bit. I mean, it's it's so weird what is is going on with them. You know, I've used the defense that they've played two really good teams the, the last two weeks, and then here we are at home against Detroit, who they own at home, who's not playing well, and they just can't get anything going and I, I honestly think it's because they can't get a running game going I think teams are now set on just trying to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers because they know it's all up to him I mean uh, Eddie Lacy has been a disappointment all year James Sarks comes in doesn't do much and here you are with Aaron Rodgers trying to throw the ball 61 times and he's he looks really uncomfortable in the pocket and he's running around like like a Russell Wilson, which is not working out for him either. So the offense just kind of all of a sudden looks off, and, and it's so tough to explain because it's not like you know injuries have hampered them lately. I mean, they've had no Jordy Nelson all year, so they've been able to work around that. So for them to all of a sudden hit this funk, is it's confusing, but it is Green Bay and it is Aaron Rodgers, and you know I expect them to 
be able to turn it around before the playoffs. I don't think they're in any doubt of, you know, making the playoffs. I don't see them going into complete free fall. Now they have to worry about, you know, winning the division and getting a bye week still because Minnesota's red hot. But it's just one of those games, and, and this was just an ugly one. Like, uh, I was watching the red zone for the, the first half of it because, you know, my girlfriend's a, a Packers fan, but she was off doing some stuff that morning. So I was able to just sit on the red zone channel and watch, and she came in. Around the halftime period, he said, well, how's my game going? I was like, I have no idea. They've shown it twice. Because, I mean, that entire first half was just punt city and nobody could get past the 50-yard line. And it, just, it was just terrible. And then for them to not be able to get that two-point conversion and not really get that far after they get the ridiculous onside kick because who would have expected Calvin Johnson to drop that? And then... You know, the kicker just completely shanking the, the field goal try. It was just an ugly game all around for Green Bay, and they need to get around it. I mean, not even getting close. Just hitting like a – almost like he has pooch kick or something. Just terrible. I mean, but I think that kind of summed up their day. Uh, just they didn't deserve to win that game, honestly. I think that's kind of more fair. Uh, football oh. gods kind of – let that thing happen. You know, you know, you say that, but Detroit really tried to give that game away by themselves. They didn't need any help from the football gods. I mean, Calvin Johnson. I mean, come on. If if you got anybody a pair of hands, you won. It's Calvin Johnson's hands. Um, but you know, just didn't work out that way. And that kick and all that. I mean, it's almost like that. You know, football gods were working against them at times more than helping them. Uh, I think you got to put a lot of blame on the Green Bay Packers. Well, and then Prater missed two extra points too. Which yeah. But I just think you got to point at Green Bay. You got to say, hey, you know, they're not, you know, walking on, you know, clouds here. They're not the best team in this league. We've known that for what uh, the entire season. Let's be honest. New England's got their number when it comes to being the better team. Uh, I think Green Bay has kind of come down to reality and realized that you know they've got some things that they need to work on. They're not exactly the best team. They've done a great job this year, uh, but the struggles we're seeing now is teams once again we're watching tape. They're not allowing those receivers to run free anymore, and those receivers aren't doing their job in getting free. They're not really. It's almost like I don't think there was other than Cobb. I don't think the receivers are good enough. They're not. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Devontae Adams. He's got a little bit of uh, credit. You got to give him his way because he's done a real really good job when he's been in there he's coming off injury uh, and is still pretty good but i mean I, I think that they just honestly all around the receiving corps did not do aaron Rodgers any favors uh they've got to do a better job if they want to be more successful aaron Rodgers can do it he you we all know he's one of the better quarterbacks in this league um but his, his receivers have to help him out here yeah, i mean but they're not they're not like you said they're not breaking the the man coverage they're not getting mm-hmm behind their corners so i mean what does that say about those receivers that they're not good enough yeah well i mean yeah i mean the only the argument i'll say about that is not sometimes the receivers aren't good enough is the fact that mentally are they prepared are they ready to do their job and you know with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've seen even Calvin Johnson not get open at times and against single coverage. So, I mean, is he not good enough? I don't know about that. I just think mentally he's not making the right calls for himself as a receiver. All right, but I mean... You know, the, the, I mean, it could be. It could be just the whole Packers offense is in a funk, and then it affects mm-hmm. the defense because they're on the field so much now as opposed to before they weren't, you know. So, I mean, and it hurts. Let's not cut ourselves. It hurts when you don't have a running game. It hurts when Eddie Lacy's not doing what he's supposed to do, and then you key on and James Starks, and it uh, it hurts that team. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers just it's not looking like himself. You know, mm-hmm. uh, another team that – Completed the the seven game stretch of looking like turds uh, without Tony Romo. The Dallas Cowboys go into Tampa Bay and just can't score. Uh, lose a game 10-6. There was some controversy there. What do you call the hold on Jeff Heath? Was uh, <clears throat> what's it? Winston running at that point? Was he, was he not? Did Des Bryant get pushed? Yes, but is it enough to call a foul on that, you know, to give it at the one and then decide the game, which, you know, it doesn't mean that they get the touchdown. Dallas still has to go in and actually get the touchdown or get the, well, they would get the, yeah, because the field goal doesn't do anything for you. So, you know, but again, to me, Gary, I mean, just, I was just really disappointed. And you go against Philadelphia and you score, 27 points and you go against one of the worst defenses in the league and you can't score more than six uh i i just don't even know what to think about anymore this was such a vital game for not only giving tony romo some cushion but i think the team needed to win one without romo to give them some confidence you know that they weren't just waiting around for romo to come back mm-hmm. uh you know i it's uh, I'm at a loss. I think you got to give a lot of credit to the Tampa Bay Bucks here. Um, they were ready for this game. They were hyped. You could tell they were excited about this game. Uh, on the other side of the field, you saw the Dallas Cowboys were, you know, they're going to play this game. But that's about it. That's what they were ready for, just to play a game. They weren't hyped. They weren't ready to go. Uh, at times, it just did not look like that. I think Matt Castle did his job. He, he tried, uh, you know, to keep things and. Uh, within you know his realm of not turning the ball over, um, he tried his best to you know be smart about you know each play, but that didn't always work out for his best credit. Um, you know, and really, let's be honest, that defense swarmed on McFadden, so yeah. they did their job there. So besides well, that, there I mean, was not much. Des missing that third and one. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's mental mistakes you can't have for a guy you consider your number one receiver which, you know, people consider one of the better receivers in this league, uh, you just can't have that happen. And when your best players don't perform, you're not going to win many games. Let's be honest. I mean, we just and, talked and about that's with the other defense players. getting two interceptions. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, it, it's, that's the biggest thing there, too. We, we keep talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Why aren't they winning games? Well, a lot of people are saying, well, they're not getting the turnovers on defense. Well, they did in this game, and they still didn't win. I, I, just, I just personally, I, I think you got to get a lot of credit to the Bucks. Um, they played 
a, a good game here defensively. Uh, their offense, you know, struggled against Dallas' defense through this game. But, you know, when it came down to the end of the game, Dallas did what they always do, keep it close and then lose in the fourth. Yep, find a way to lose. And that's that's what happens when you have been losing this amount of time. You have to wonder if they're winning, if that holding call gets called on Heath. You know, it, that was such a – it sort of happened right when he starts running. So you could call it either way, honestly. I mean, it's just – and on that bootleg, I have no idea what Wilcox was doing. I don't know what part of that team was doing. I was just like, what is going on right now? Nobody was even near him, just the – but anyway, we have the quarterback back again, and now it's a crazy task to go on. I mean, well, for I mean, Tampa Bay, they win a game again. And with the way that division is, I mean, do you see Tampa Bay as a legit contender at all for that in the NFC with uh, now possibly that last wildcard spot kind of being interchangeable at this point? Because we don't know how far Green Bay is going to fall. We don't know if the Falcons are going to fall anymore. I mean, yeah. uh, yeah, how I, do you see Tampa Bay? Yeah, I still don't see them as a contender yet. Um, they are improving, but you know they are two games behind Atlanta and, and Green Bay, and I can't see both of them falling off. I think Philadelphia is still better than them. I think Chicago is on the rise, and you really have to worry about them. I still think Seattle's a better team than them. Uh, St. Louis is a better team than them, even though they didn't really show it against Chicago. Uh, I just think, I mean, just talent-wise and the way things are, I, I think they're much imp- more improved than I thought they were going to be. And, you know, they have a great chance of finishing close to 500. But as far as playoffs this year, not really. But even as at that, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you have to be ecstatic for your future because Winston's turning out to be pretty good. You have a solid defense. A lot of weapons around Winston. You know, Charles Sims is a really good young running back. Mike Evans is a great number one receiver, and and you you have these guys locked up for a while. So you could be contenders for a long time if you play your cards right. I just don't see it this year. Fair enough. Uh, well, Gary, here's a question that everybody's been saying. You know, so many Cowboys fans are just thinking that <clears throat> Romo comes back and this thing is in the bag. You know, and I think that this is one of those where people need to temper expectations a little bit. Yes, do I think seven and nine can win this division realistically? Yes, but do you get there? And that's a tough task to ask to only lose two more games the entire season when you still got uh, the Packers. You got to play the Redskins twice. You got to play the the Panthers on Thanksgiving. Uh, You've got the Jets still. Um, You've got the Bills still. I mean, just that's a lot of teams you got to try to beat. And, uh, you know, the, that's not a simple task at all. Oh, no, not at all. And, you know, you mentioned four teams I can already right there say that it's going to be an uphill battle for the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, two of those teams are the NFC and two of them are the AFC. I think that, you know, when we play the Jets and the, uh, you know, the Bills, I mean, those are not going to be easy games. Both those defenses are stout. Uh, they make things happen. They're going to make life hard on Tony Romo. Uh, so, I mean, that's going to be a difficult task. And then when you look over and you see the Carolina Panthers and, of course, the Green Bay Packers, those are definitely not walkover games for sure, uh, especially Carolina on Thanksgiving Day. And that's the game that I'm looking at to be like, wow, if they win that game, it's it's going to be a miracle. 
Um, Green Bay right now, if they stay the way they're you know playing, maybe. But I, I think Green Bay fixes their ills, and uh, so I think you know you're hoping for that pipe dream of seven and nine and still winning a division. That's going to be crazy. But I, I, to me, it's an uphill battle. You're not going to win. I just I, I love the team because I'm a fan. Uh, being, being a you know, just, if you want to be a journalist here, uh, no, it's, uh, sorry, you can't ask that much of Tony Romo. Agreed. You can't ask that much. I mean, he does fix a lot of things. Uh, just that's <clears throat> at some. It's just it's just one of these things. Like this is one of those times where a freak thing that caused a loss. There's one of your losses. I mean, just like there's no room for error now. Like you have one of those things where oh, Romo throws an interception. Oh, whoops. Well, there went a game. You mm-hmm. know, you can't have any of those there went a games now. You, you can't. It's just it, there's so much pressure on Romo. Yeah, you know what? Credit to Romo for understanding where he is, and he plays that uh, video from Major League where he, you know they say, "Oh, we're gonna win the whole damn thing" and all that stuff. You know, I'm so glad that Romo was understanding and not, you know, feel having this feeling of "Oh, woe is me," whatever. But man, just that is that's a tall task right there. That's that's a lot. Uh, but you know, considering a, a uh, another tall task now, it's going to be a tall task for New Orleans to do a whole lot with uh, Washington the way they whooped them 47 to 14, Randy. And uh, it was the final straw that broke the camel's back for Mr. Rob Ryan. He is no longer with the Saints. Uh, you can certainly say that should have happened a long time ago. But yeah. what what did you see here with this game? I mean. I um I saw a very high scoring first half, kind of like the Giants Saints, where you know Drew Brees and Eli Manning just traded touchdown after touchdown, and then you, Washington kind of getting the better of it. And then the second half, the Washington coaches figured out the New Orleans offense, and Rob Ryan went, "Oh, you guys do something." I mean, because. They could not figure out how to stop Kirk Cousins, and that is the weirdest thing I've ever said on this podcast, <laughs> is that a defensive coordinator could not figure out him. I just I don't understand. He was not even a starter going into this year. Like It was training camp before they went, okay, we hate RG3. We don't want to look at him ever. Kirk Cousins is our guy just because. And now here he is. He's looking like a legit quarterback. He completely dices the terrible Saints secondary up. You had... The return of Alfred Morris, who I have stuck on a, on one of our fantasy teams on, on in the Yahoo leagues, just just because there's not much out there, and all of a sudden here he is lighting things up. Matt Jones is still doing great, uh, whether it was on the run or the pass. It was just they could do no wrong. Now, unfortunately for Washington, you know Deshaun Jackson goes down, I believe, with a concussion again, and. That didn't look good. It looked like uh, the defender's knee drills him right in the head, and both of them went down pretty hard, and we'll see how all that goes. But listen, their defense played extremely well, especially in the second half to kind of figure out Drew Brees and really start messing with him. And and they are all of a sudden a contender. And and over on the other side, the Saints, you know, they went as far as they could on the arm of Drew Brees, and... And they just couldn't keep up with their defense. So, I, like I've been saying, I don't see them as a contender. And and now I think it's official. And now they're looking for somebody that can figure out to do something with that terrible defense that Rob Ryan's put together. Or, yeah, Rob Ryan. I get the two mixed up. 
I mean, Gary, uh, I mean, this was a Redskins team we weren't thinking a whole much of uh, when, you know, the season started. We, we had them at the bottom. I think all of us did. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been playing pretty well. I mean, certainly you like that, of course. Uh, we've been getting a lot more <laughs> traction as, as that's been going, but... How you know is this is this a legit thing for Washington or is it just they've been doing well against the bad teams? Well, I mean they've been doing well against the bad teams because their defense can handle the bad teams. Uh, you know, I was a little bit surprised here because I thought Drew Brees was going to be a lot better than he was in this game. But you've got to give credit to the Washington Redskins in preparing and making sure that they did not allow that to happen. And this defense is one that people need to watch out for. They've shown time and time again that. Hey, they can make things happen. I mean, they even, you know, did pretty okay against New England at times. They eventually did lose out on that game, and New England made it look worse than it was. But uh, for a time, you know, they were competing with New England. And uh, I just think that, you know, the Washington Redskins are a team to be very fearful of if you're playing them. I don't care if you're Carolina or anybody else. Uh, any given Sunday, this team could definitely beat you. And it's not just because of their defense. Their offense is making things happen, too. Kirk Cousins is playing uh, the best he's ever played, I think. And I, I think that he's got the weapons to do it. So, uh, I, I mean, uh, for me personally, I think that they're a very, very scary team. I mean, the Saints, do we Do we just, is this, is this over for them now? Is it? Yeah. Or, or do you think that <laughs> whoever they bring in for the defensive coordinator is going to change him up that much? I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Randy. I just, I mean, uh, I think it's great they brought up this guy within, and he's going to be the interim guy. And, then of course, next year they'll probably figure out something different. But I, I just don't imagine this defense is good enough. No, the talent's not there. Uh, sure, game plan might help a little bit, but I, they have nothing on defense. You think for sure now Sean Payton maybe leaves? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, he's been throughout a lot of good things and, of course, a lot of bad things with New Orleans. I'm not sold he's ready to leave yet. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know him personally or anything, but I don't know. I'm not sure he's done with New Orleans. All right. Well, I mean, uh, certainly uh, people are are wondering if uh, Sam Bradford... I could be sitting a few games after what he saw in this game against the Miami Dolphins. He was knocked out of the game after a sack and losing the ball. Second time he would do that in the game. Uh, he also hurt his shoulder, but the x-rays were negative on that. I mean, this was more defensive than it was offensive. Uh, Bradford was sacked four times, and he was forced to fumble twice. He didn't lose them, but uh, there was a weird play where they kept Going back and forth, whether it was supposed to be a foul and a third and 13 or fourth and 26 or whatever. They finally did the fourth and 26 and they had a punt, but it was just weird. Uh, Tannehill got sacked four times, too. So, uh, you know, it just it, it was a really just defensive uh, game. It felt like Bradford was running for his life a lot and uh, a lot on Tannehill's end. He, he had uh, a lot more help with screens and stuff to Miller. Uh, Ajayi looked pretty good, but it was a lot of Miller through the air. Uh, Jarvis Landy was kind of his release 
when when he could get it to him. And Rashard Matthews had some big uh, long ones uh, for the Dolphins. And DeMarco Murray looked pretty good in here. He had about, I think, like 80-something yards. And he was a really uh, a big thing for them on on the in the passing game. He got about 50 or 60 yards passing. This was a game for the tight ends, however, for Philadelphia. Both Zach Ertz and uh, Brent Selleck went off in this game. That those were the two guys that Bradford and Sanchez were finding. They this had this really weird like sequence uh, with uh, Mark Sanchez throws a touchdown to Miles Austin. Miles Austin, I thought, didn't do enough to try to actually keep his feet in bounds, honestly. Uh, that's kind of been a thing for Miles Austin, so that's okay. Uh, Zach Ertz had his touchdown later get called back for offensive holding. They have to cut, They they have to end up kicking the field goal that makes it 20 to 19. Let me let me put this in perspective for you guys. The Eagles do not score again. And in the second, like in the second half, they scored that one field goal. It was 16 to three for a good while, and they couldn't score. I mean, just this is supposed to be Chip Kelly's offense that scores at will, and they couldn't score. And then they kick a field goal at the end. Sanchez throws that interception that ends the game before they can even kick a field goal to win the game. The Dolphins get that freak play with 14.55 in the fourth quarter. They had the entire quarter to try to score four points, and they couldn't do it. I mean... I don't know, but I gotta. You give credit to Miami's defense, but to me, honestly, I think Chip Kelly should come under fire a little bit for that because this is supposed to be this offense is supposed to be so great. He got rid of all these players to to put in some more players, and I don't think they're any better than the ones they had. Honestly, um, I also have to point out that Caleb Sturgis didn't miss a field goal. His field goal was just as bad as Mason Crosby's. He, like, totally shanked it and it didn't even go anywhere. But, I mean, Randy, I mean, like, uh, you know, I'll leave the quarterback question for later. But, I mean, where do you put this? I mean, this is a game that the Eagles should have won. Yeah, absolutely. They should have won this. And, you know, even though the offense kind of fell apart, you still have to be down a little bit on, you know, Mark Sanchez's – uh, decision making I think he's a decent quarterback and I think he will fit in it's just you know same old Mark Sanchez where he just makes that one bonehead mistake he does it in the, at the goal line here when they were only down one a field goal gives him the lead and he throws an interception uh, so they need to definitely work on that but kind of to your point where you brought up where you know they got rid of most of their talent on offense and they're bringing in these guys in and Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's not working as well. I think it's it's worked out for him for the most part because their defense is now much better. And, you know, now they're, you know, Miami couldn't really do much either. So that's starting to work. It's just it's just a matter of getting things rolling at all times. And, and Miami does have a legit defense, and, and we're able to figure out how to mess them up. But I, I'm still not that worried about Philadelphia long term. It's just it's what, this is one of those games they really needed to win, and, and they definitely fell short. And I honestly think it was because of that mistake. Gary, I mean, how do you feel about Cowboys' chances now against the Dolphins that you saw in this game? I mean, they certainly have weapons on offense. They have, as you know, they have a defense that can come at you, and you know, can create some issues. But you know, for a lot large part of the game, at least in the first half, they you know the Eagles kind of did what they wanted. Yeah, I mean, I think the Miami Dolphins are a solid team overall. I think that they defensively have the power to really give you a hard time, but there are times that they just, you know, uh, have brain farts and they allow things to happen and, uh, you know, they allow offenses to get on them. Uh, And I think you could even say the same for that, you know, Miami offense. I I think they got some great players on there. Lamar Miller is one guy that I think that, you know, could – you know, do pretty well against the Dallas Cowboys, but you know, if he struggles early, he may struggle the entire game. Uh, they got some great guys like Landry, who you know definitely uh, could really make big plays and really scare you. So, I mean, I think that this game coming up for the Dolphins is very winnable. Um, but then again, I think it's fifty-fifty. These teams are kind of right about around the same place. I, I do give credit more to the Dolphins' defense; they've shown a lot more than Dallas's defense has. I mean, they're four and five, or they, you know, they're still in that mix for a wild card, amazingly, mm-hmm. in that AFC. So, I'm just know. not a Tannehill fan. I think if it was different quarterback, I may be giving this, this group a better, <laughs> a better chance. I mean, Tannehill just has not proven to me he's going to get this team to success. Well, uh, you know, one guy that we know is going to take his team to success, even if he has to play backup. Ben Bo- Ben Roethlisberger had himself one crazy day. Set records to say back up for the Steelers uh, going against uh, Johnny Menzo on the Browns. I mean, Randy, like, you, you, I don't, I don't know. Big Ben's just going to have one of those years, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this game as a fantasy owner. Uh, <laughs> as, as a Big Ben owner who picked up Landry Jones to fill in this week and then started Landry Jones and then watched I feel your Big pain, Ben dude. completely blow up on my bench, just. Just was sickening, uh, but yes, I mean this offense just completely is so different with Big Ben out there. I mean, obviously they made the right choice of putting Landry Jones in instead of Mike Vick. He was looking fine, you know, in the early part of this game before he goes down with the ankle injury. But just Big Ben with Antonio Brown and Martavius Bryant as weapons, and and D'Angelo Williams is is still a great running back. So that, like I said, they're not missing. Um, uh, why am I blanking on his name all of a sudden? Um, Bell. Bell, thank you. See, I already forgot him. He's he's so pointless to this offense because DeAndre Williams <laughs> is just as good. Uh, so they just roll so well offensively with him in there. Uh, it's just ridiculous. So once he comes in, it takes him about a quarter to, to get things going. You can tell he's still hobbled and he's still injured. And 
but he gets the job done. He's the thing that really surprises me is he comes in and you're like, all right, well, they're going to do short passes and run the ball and protect him. They went, nah, let's just throw the ball 40 yards every play and just see what happens. Uh, just complete opposite of what you were expecting when he comes in and, and it completely worked for him and they dominate this game. And on the other side, I will give Manziel credit. He looked better in the pocket. I think his decision-making was better. Um, I'm, we'll talk about it later, I'm sure, but I'm glad they've decided to stick with him the rest of the year. Now it's, it's time your season's over. Um, so now work with him and Duke Johnson and Travis Benjamin and see what you got for next year and, and just go from there. But this is just a game where Pittsburgh's the better team. Uh, they have the best backup ever in Big Ben, and and you know they they got the job done. Unlike a lot of the teams this week, that you know they went in against an inferior team and did what they're supposed to do. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of questions there from either team. I mean, other than you know, I think Pittsburgh is. They're they're gonna be right where we thought they were gonna be, you know, fighting for that. I mean, that's the thing with Cincinnati. You you get into one of those, you know, let's say you lose against Arizona, you get into one of those like the Packers. You can see the Steelers already up there again, fighting for that division again. So, you know, they they have to be careful, and I think the Steelers did themselves. A lot winning this game. That's crazy, though. You know, it looked like Big Ben, there was no way he was going to play this game, right, at the beginning of the week when we saw that injury. And then all of a sudden, it's like yeah, he pulled a John Cena or something, and just he's there at the end of the week. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, talk about another Superman. Adrian Peterson goes off in this game. I mean, he had an 80-yard. It was so just – it's so mean. Like, this 80-yard run happened – when, like, Oakland pretty much, they had, uh, the game was over because Terrence Newman had gotten the second interception of the game, pretty much ending the game right there. They were pretty much just running the ball out at that point, and Peterson just runs for 80 yards and gets a touchdown. That last touchdown was really kind of unfair, but this was this was really close for most of it. It was, and again, another kind of thing that just a boneheaded Oakland thing. They were winning 14 to 13. They get the touchdown. All of a sudden, here comes Cordero Patterson on the kick return. All the way it goes back, and Minnesota gets the lead again. And, you know, then they're they're fighting an uphill battle. It's close the whole time. Uh, Terrence, I mean, who would have thought, Gary? Terrence Newman, 37 years old, getting two interceptions at that point. You know, former <laughs> Cowboy. Uh, just, uh, it's, uh, I mean, again, I mean, Bridgewater got sacked in this game. They were coming to him. Alvin Smith got a sackle we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, and you know, uh, it's just the the defense was making it hard for for Minnesota to throw the ball. Uh, they did get a few things. I mean, Diggs was kind of controlled for a lot of this game. It was Peterson, and it was uh, some screen passes that were kind of getting them along. Passes to the tight end, the backup tight end. I forgot his name now. Ellison, I think it was. He got one of the touchdowns. Uh, he also dropped another touchdown. Uh, Blair Walsh also missed a field goal that would have put things kind of away at that point. But but the big interception at the end there for Derek Carr, really unfortunate because uh, he had some crazy plays. Uh, he had some really nice touchdowns, you know, two nice touchdowns. Uh, Cooper didn't have a big game, but 
they they were still flowing everything on offense, and it just it was one of those where you know your quarterback just makes a mistake at the wrong time, and uh, Minnesota were able to win the game. You know, and and hats off to uh, Peterson again for for at, at his age still doing what he's doing. Uh, it, it's it's kind of amazing this this uh, whole NFL this year. All these thirty year old running backs that are that are doing things. Right, like this—that's this the age you're supposed to be declining. You're not supposed to be doing that. Uh, but Minnesota Vikings are now the leaders of the NFC North. They play the Packers next week. Do you see? Or well, this week coming up here, do you see them staying there, Gary? You know, it's tough to say because I mean, you look at this game, you see how Minnesota, you know, basically worked with all three phases of their game. And did a great job doing it, uh, special teams, defense, and offense. So you got to give them credit for that. They've done some great things this year. Um, can they do it next week? Man, early prediction, I'm not sold just yet. I mean, uh, if Green Bay continues to have the troubles on offense, I, I definitely would say no. Um, but I just I have a gut feeling that, that you know Aaron Rodgers is ticked, and he's going to make sure that he gets everybody in the room and says, we're discount double-checking everything, guys. We're going to win this game. Um, so I just, I, at this point in time, I'm going to say Green Bay gets a little bit of the favorite for me, but I think Minnesota's up for the task. Do I think Minnesota has a shot? Oh yeah, you better bet it. They have a shot. They, they've done so great this year. And if they do like this week, all three phases, they can win. Uh, on the other end for Oakland, I mean, this is a tough loss. You don't want to be losing any games at this point because you're trying to stay in the wild card, but they still are a lot of four and five teams in that AFC uh, do you see? I mean, if you're if you're having to count a, do you think it's going to be the two teams from your from the AFC East, Randy, or do you think a team like Oakland slips in there and makes the playoffs? Well, I think Pittsburgh's getting the, the first one. I, I think that is starting to become more of a lock. And then, yeah, I do think. Well, the the funny thing is, and we're going to talk about them soon. You know, the moment. I went, okay, I'm giving up on my Super Bowl prediction. And, you know, with Kansas City losing Jamal Charles and all their early season struggles, I'm st- I finally give up on them. And here they are riding high, playing completely well. So I, I, I don't think Oakland makes it, but I think it really is down to Buffalo, the Jets, and Kansas City for that last wild card. Well, we are going to talk about him right now. And talking about a failure on offense, Peyton Manning was certainly – a failure on offense in this game. Four interceptions. It was like 22 to zero while he was still in there. They had to bench him. Turns out he has a partially torn plantar fasciitis, which is uh, you know something that played Tim Duncan for years uh, and other quarterbacks. I mean Eli Manning played with it for a whole year, uh, no problem. But you know Peyton, much older at this point, uh, he's going to have to sit. He also has uh, another injury that I don't remember right now. But, uh, Randy, I mean, this is kind of like what we saw in that Thursday night game, right? Like, just, just a lot of Manny making mistakes in Kansas City knowing him too well. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing. You go back to that, that Thursday night game in Kansas City, you know, and Kansas City dominates most of that game doing exactly what they did here, but they allowed Peyton Manning to come back and beat them. And you kind of could see that a little bit in this one because Kansas City was was sticking to field goals and even though they completely were dominating Peyton Manning uh they were not just weren't pulling away enough so it was like 
you still had that that little thing in the back of your mind going, okay, at some point he's going to figure this out because it's Peyton Manning and, and Kansas City's going to be in trouble. He just never did. And, and it's weird. I mean, for, for for one thing, congratulations, Peyton Manning, for passing Brett Favre. I'm, I'm sure he would have liked to have do, done it in a better fashion. Um, actually, if you go back and watch it, he is completely disgusted that they stopped the play because uh, they wanted to do a deep pass and he throws an interception. And then they do an out on the next drive and get one yard more than he needed for the record and, and it set up like third and six or something like that. And they stop the play and they like show a close-up of Peyton Manning's face and he's just looking at him like, just can we go? Do we have to? I mean, you know, he waved and looked fine, but you could just tell he's like, just whatever, come on. They give him the game ball, he throws it to the sideline, and which sadly was the best pass he had all day. <laughs> And, and, you know, goes back in and, and continues his stuff. But he looked, I mean, obviously with the injuries explained some stuff, but he looked completely uncomfortable there. It was underthrowing everybody. One of his five completions to uh, Demarius Thomas was one of his old, you know, end-over-end throws that just completely looks terrible. But Demarius Thomas ends up winning the jump ball. And I think it was Merle Hodge on Monday who was talking about it, saying he took footage from Peyton Manning like last year to Peyton Manning this year and just a complete difference on on just they took the same passing play that he had done and watched it and there's like a higher arc to it and it's a lot slower and he just he's not coming through the ball as well so I mean it's sad to see him kind of deteriorate the way he is but he does and Brock Osweiler comes in does fine in jump time but wasn't looking great when the game was still close. I think Kansas City's defense also was a lot of the cause of Peyton Manning's problems because he knows what he likes to do and were able to jump the routes and the offense did what they had to. They again make zero mistakes, get down there, get as many points as you can, which was a lot of field goals and and you know, just try to control the clock and that's exactly what they did and and to me Kansas City is still somewhat scary right now especially with denver completely falling apart like they are yeah i mean that's what i was gonna say are you you know are you thinking about kansas city or are those afc you know the two afc west teams now an issue for denver to think about now that they've lost another game and you're having to start brock osweiler at least for one more for one week and we don't know how I mean, we've seen these uh, turf toe injuries. Uh, we saw it kill Dion for a while in, in Dallas, Gary, you know, in the, in the 90s. I mean, we saw Tim Duncan had to be out for a long time, San Antonio. Uh, just that, I mean, and that, that affects you. Like, he's having to plant on that foot. If he can't plant right on that foot because it's so uncomfortable, that affects the way he throws. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, that's that's a thing. Like, if uh, if Osweiler has to play for a while and he plays like you normally see most backup quarterbacks play, and we could be talking about a Denver team that puts it back down there for those other teams to, to make an, you know, make a run. Definitely. And, you know, you also got to ask yourself, is, you know, Osweiler coming here and let's say they don't win next week and they, you know, start to look like they're going to start on a losing pattern because they just, Osweiler is not the guy that they thought he could be for him. Do they try to rush Peyton back? Do they try to get him back in there as soon as possible? And, you know, how could that affect him and how could that affect the team? Uh, because like you said, it's, 
it's a very difficult you know job to do when your your foot's messed up and that's especially the quarterback position you know like you said Sean you know your footwork is so important and when you have to plan on it I mean that's even more painful for him and it's all it shows in his play right it does show in his play I mean so I mean for Denver I mean they just got to keep things rolling and see what happens with Osweiler you know but I almost forgot about talking about the the Chicago Bears here. Uh, they, I mean, they looked really good. I mean, other than the fact that they were three and twelve on third down, which was bad, but uh, they looked pretty good. Zach Miller had himself a day, eighty-seven yard touchdown, uh, and then another touchdown later, which was given away by stupid penalties that kind of just gave them uh, drives. Then also. Uh, for some reason, Jeff Fisher decides at his own, like, 25-yard line to do the stupid fake punt, and Chicago is having none of it, and that kind of gives away a field goal that puts the game away. Uh, Jeremy Langford also had himself a day, 182 total yards, a 83-yard pass that, or, well, a pass that goes 83 yards because he broke tackles and went all the way. I mean, and even then, I mean, the Rams were keeping up with them after those. I mean, it wasn't like the game was over because those happened. Uh, Gurley scored a touchdown right after that. They missed out on a Tavon Austin TD because of a holding call, uh, which that was a problem for them, too. The uh, Rams kept getting penalties that would kill drives for them. Wes Walker looked okay. He got three catches for 32 yards. There's other times where he, I mean, you would have to wonder if it wasn't Nick Foles throwing to him if he, he was, he'd be doing better. But they also gave up running the ball a lot earlier than they should have. I thought uh, Gurley wasn't really much of a factor in this game. And credit to the Bears' defense. They were getting to Foles, too. But Foles, 17 to 36, 200 yards, that's not good enough, man. You're, you're getting paid all this money. Sorry to say, but it's just, just not good enough. He was, there was times he's overthrowing guys, uh, just not finding them. Uh, he, he overthrew Welker. Just he did not look good at all. Not, not good at all. On the other hand, Cutler, 258, three touchdowns. Just Cutler's on fire right now. I mean, and then that's that's the thing. Like, that's why my question, you know, the defense seems to be playing a little bit better. Uh, the, everybody's in sync. Alshon Jeffrey had a he, – he was nothing in this game. It was all Zach Miller. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And Jeremy Langford. I mean, I had Alshon Jeffrey in the league, and I'm going, what? Two points? What the hell? You know, like, uh, this seems weird, but, like, 
I think Randy already talked about it, but do you believe in the Bears now? I mean, they they have to be Gary. Like you're, if you're staring them down, uh, I talked about it last week that they have a nice little schedule coming up here. If uh, if the Packers keep faltering or or the Vikings lose a couple games or whatever, they all have to play each other still. Could we see the Bears maybe? Make make a little noise in that division here. I think they definitely could. You know, if things fall the right way, they definitely could. I, you know, am I sold that this Chicago team has turned the corner? I can't say that. I, I you know, I've been, a, a, you know, saying that their defense has, you know, stood, you know, against some pretty decent offenses. Um, they've impressed me a lot for what they've had to struggle with, you know, the injuries and all the different things they've had to deal with. And, you know, they even, you know, gave away Jared Allen. I think they were kind of, I don't know if they would say they've given up, but I think they were kind of ready to move on and say, hey, let's do some other things and maybe we'll get it in the future. But now they're really progressing. Like you said, colors on fire right now. Um, that's a big question. Will they last? I'm not sold that they'll last, but I'll say this. I mean, they could definitely upset some teams. I mean, and, I mean, it's just, well, we'll talk about the Rams in a second here, but so let I mean, I I left these two games last because they have a game against each other uh, coming up. Two of these two teams do, but uh, Randy, I mean, you had the Carolina Panthers against the Titans. More people were talking about Cam dancing than they were this game, honestly. But what did you see here? I, I see Cam likes to have fun. <laughs> I mean, yes, it, it looks bad, especially when you are a fan of an opposing team and you think it's showboating or whatever, but it's just Cam having fun. He's loose. He, he likes to enjoy himself. I do love that every time they score a touchdown, they look for a little kid to give the football to, and that, that's just a, a great solid from, from that team. But I saw this game as way too close in that first half. I saw Tennessee being able to stick with the undefeated Carolina Panthers at home in that first half. Uh, Not just on the scoreboard, but on the field. It looked like a very even matchup, and I was really surprised to see that. And then the second half happened, and the better team figured things out and made the right adjustments, and and, you know they took care of business, which is is what we expect from Carolina these days. But hats off to Tennessee, really, for for sticking with them and, and... and looking like they belong. Of course, they would have loved to have gotten the win and been only one game out of the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, it's not a good win. Or, I mean, excuse me, a good loss. I mean, there are none of those. But they did show that they are starting to belong in, in some of the, the good teams of the NFL. So if, if you are a playoff contender and you have Tennessee on your schedule, uh, I'm looking at Oakland, I'm looking at the Jets or the Colts and Texans the last two weeks, I'm nervous about playing Tennessee and them messing up my playoff chances because they're going to steal a win or two here against a playoff contender and really shake things up. Not only do they have Mariota, that defense is pretty good. That defense is great. I mean, they really were getting the Cam, making I mean, there are times where Cam looked silly trying to avoid sacks, which he got sacked five times. And yeah, they were all over the place. They were making some great plays, and I mean, hats off to them. They played extremely well. 
<clears throat> and on the other side, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars were lucky to escape with a win because the win shouldn't have happened. <laughs> but it did. And honestly, this is one of those times, like, I'm using a soccer term here. In soccer, we say the whole, they didn't deserve something, as in they didn't deserve the draw, they didn't deserve the win based on how they played. Honestly, the way the Ravens played, they didn't deserve to win this game. The They gave the Jags six first downs and penalties, including the one that would end the game. They had four turnovers. Four. Uh... Not to mention, yeah, the one that would end up being a touchdown uh, for the last touchdown that was scored by Alan Hearns, which if they didn't have this weird, which we got to talk about a couple of things here with with penalties, but they have this weird rule, which you can call a fair catch and it protects you, except for everything but a turnover. But because you called a fair catch, you can't extend the if you recover the fumble, you can't extend it, which I think is dumb. If it's a fumble, it's a fumble. It should be able to be extended, regardless whether you called fair catch or not. Like, that shouldn't be able to protect you from the guy not being able to run the fumble into the end zone. That's stupid. But, you know, it's the NFL. They have dumb rules. They still can't figure out what a catch is. But <clears throat> either way, Flacco at least still had three touchdowns. He did have two Bad interceptions to the same cornerback. Uh, he had to throw the ball like 45 times. And uh, he threw it to nine different guys. Because no Steve Smith Sr. Uh, but, I mean, it's just, I feel so bad for him. He's having to throw to all these tight ends and all these different guys. Because they, they have no one to really throw the ball to other than Aiken and yeah, just just a bad time for the Ravens. So the, both the Allen receivers for the Jags, two touchdowns, 113 yards. The Ravens also have nine penalties for 121 yards, uh, including personal foul penalties. Not, not just the one dumb one by Doomerville at the end, which the guy's on the ground already when he snaps the ball. What are you doing? Like, you could have found a way to tackle him any other way except for face-masking him, and you just lost your team the game. How stupid is that? But, I mean, that's it's just been that way for the Ravens this year, Gary. It's just been a really unlucky year, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, they just have not had things go their way at all. And, you know, is it their fault? Yeah, you got to give it to them and, and, you know, really point some fingers at some of the dumb mistakes, the penalties. You can't have that many penalties. You can't have the turnovers. You, I mean, it's amazing to me they stayed so close in this game in the first place with all that going on. Um, but they did, and, you know, they were successful in some points. But, man, just when you're making mental mistakes and you're – uh, you're not performing to the capacity that you really need to. Yeah, you're going to lose every time, and hey, that's what happened here. And sure, Jacksonville got a little bit, you know, lucky with some of that stuff, you know, especially that big penalty. But hey, I mean, they they earned it. Right. I mean, and how big of a win was this? Because now Thursday night they beat Tennessee. They're four and six, and they're somehow only a half game back in the division. 
It's amazing to me. But you know, I'll say this. Uh, you know, if they if that team gets any momentum, and, and this is not a bad team, you know, I, I you know undersell them quite a bit. You guys are a little bit higher on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Than I am a lot of times, but I really felt like this is another dangerous team. We just talked about the Chicago Bears. We just talked about the Tennessee Titans. You know, those are very you know sneaky teams that can sneak up and bite some of these bigger teams or teams that are doing a little bit better. Uh, Jacksonville's right there too. You cannot ignore them. Well, that being said, we got to talk about this Thursday night game. You got a divisional game. It's in Jacksonville, which you have to wonder how much of a home field advantage that is. It's Mariota against Bortles, uh, two young quarterbacks that maybe you know one is better than the other, but they're both you know they both bring good things to the table. Uh, they both have. I mean, the Jaguars have the exciting receiver duo. And then Tennessee has that, you know, rock solid defense that the Jaguars certainly they make they they create big. It's kind of like the Giants; they create turnovers, or they have at least lately. But they really can't stop people. So, do you see this as a shootout? Do you see this as a whoever makes the more mistakes is going to lose? How do you see this game going? Yeah, it's, to me, it's definitely more that who makes the more mistakes is going to lose. I think the shootout comes in their next matchup in a couple of weeks, you know, that first week of December. Uh, I think that will be more of a shootout. But here it's a Thursday. You have two young quarterbacks. You have two young teams, basically, uh, with zero time to prep for one another. I think this will be one of those ugly Thursday night games that will be difficult to watch. And, and it's just which quarterback makes the least mistakes. And, and you know, they both are very prone to do so. Bortles will go out and throw two or three just amazing passes, and then he'll, he will mark Sanchez it up and just throw one that you just go, what are you doing? Yep. So so it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, as a prediction goes, I'm taking Jacksonville here just because they are at home. I do think it's pretty equal, though I do like like Jacksonville as a whole a little bit more than Tennessee. But... I, I don't see this being the shootout that everyone would like to see. Like I said, I think that comes uh, December 6th. Yeah, I think this is a coin toss. You know, as much as I'd like to see Mariota do well, because I am you know, was a big proponent of his coming to end this year, um, I just, you know, I'm not really sold on either team, so it's kind of hard for me to pick the team. But I'm going to go with Jacksonville on this one. You know, I'm going to kind of – you know, take a little bit of what Randy always says. You know, the home teams usually win these games on Thursday. So uh, I, I'm going to go with that. And not only that, I do like Jacksonville's defense. We talked about Titans' defense, but I think Jacksonville, their defense can do some things that, you know, uh, can surprise you. I'm going to go with Jacksonville, too, just because uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Tennessee lose one of their receivers? Uh, was it Hunters or. One of them. They lost one of them. And, you know, Jacksonville, their offense is pretty damn good. Uh, that's that's going to be going against the Tennessee defense. That's also really good. You have to see if T.J. Yeldon is going to be a factor at all. Uh, but uh, just, you know, I just think, you know, we could see them score points. I, I in, in a way, Jacksonville seems to have some of that luck this year. I'm going to go with Jacksonville, and they're going to make it a, a three-way thing for that division. Um, that That's going to be so funny if we're talking about Houston and Jacksonville at the end of the year fighting it out for that division. I'm, I'm, that's going to be so weird. Uh, if Because you, know, you got to imagine at some point the Matt Hasselbeck 
luck train has to end, right? Like, he's not going to win all of these games. So, that being said, I think that does it for our recap. But now, like I already talked about, there are some big quarterback changes that have happened already. Oh, we forgot to talk about this, though. But um, Alden Smith suspended for an entire year. Uh, he's not eligible to return to the league, and he has to actually ask for permission to return uh, for an entire year to, due to uh, violating the substance abuse policy for, I think it's like the third time now. I mean, Oakland signed him. Uh, I think between him and Khalil Mack, they had about like nine sacks uh, between each other. He was really starting to get into it with that defense. How big of a loss is this for Oakland? It's a big loss. I mean, you've seen that he's gotten better and better with him, and he's gotten used to this defense. And, uh, I mean, a guy of his talent, it definitely hurts Oakland's defense. Is it, you know, a shame? Not really. Uh, just because, you know, he's had his demons and he's had his issues, and they're coming to bite him in the butt. So, I mean, it's fair game. But, you know, it just sucks for the Oakland Raiders because they were getting a momentum with this guy. Randy, what do you think about he said he had a lot to say in this little statement. He said that he's hoping, you know, to be with the team again next year. Obviously, you know, no idea what they're going to be. You would expect for them to be around the same area next year. Uh, he can't join them again till around this time in November. Do you expect him to be with Oakland again? And do you think he's he's finally going to have he, he said he's going to take this time to work on himself and all that kind of stuff. All the things you want to hear. Do you think this will be? He'll he'll finally be over all this stuff. I mean, all you can do is hope. Um, it does look, you know, like you know Johnny Manziel said the same things, and it looks like he's starting to turn things around and mature a little bit. And now he's going to be the starter there, and you can just hope that he's telling the truth that you know he wants to be a Raider and he wants to improve and he wants to take this year that he now has. And, and and work on himself and then come back and work for the team. Obviously, he's a talented guy, and we have seen that it doesn't matter what you do. As long as you're talented, you know, somebody's going to have room for you. So I, I guess if you look at it on the Oakland side, you, you keep him around and, and hope that he is, is one of those surprise second-half players for you on a playoff push. Do you do that, Gary? Do you keep him around? Hey, you know what? I mean, if you really feel like you can trust this guy, if he really proves to you that he can keep himself clean and uh, he can be a good, you know, uh, example of what you know it is to turn your life around, I think you could say yes. You do keep him around. He's such a big talent. I mean, I think that you know he can only help your team if he does do those things. But you know, if you get you know if you get to a point where you see he still can't stay out of trouble, if you see that he's still dealing with issues, getting closer uh, to you know maybe November next year, I think you got to reconsider. But for from what I hear, from what I'm thinking, I think Oakland's going to try their best to get him back because they see how talented this guy is and what he's doing for their team right now. All right, so let now we can finally get into that uh, talk about the quarterbacks here. So we have Johnny Menzel being named the permanent starter. He's going to play the rest of the year. We have Nick Foles being benched for Case Keenum, which I'll let Gary have his little moment with Case Keenum there. And we have Brock Osweiler coming in for Peyton Manning. Uh, we have questions there. 
Mark Sanchez coming in for Bradford, at least it seems like for a game. Uh, no idea if it's going to be for more, even though there were rumors for a little while that Chip Kelly might have wanted to make that change, but might not have because of some other things. We've got TJ Yates possibly having to play against the Jets. We're still hoping he plays. Uh, Hoyer plays is, is the word right now. I mean, that's about five different quarterback changes or at least made permanent changes in the, in the form of Manziel. I mean, that's a lot to do in one week. I, I mean, it, let, let's take this on a case by case thing uh, for the Eagles is it really that big a deal looking at the way Bradford was playing he had his good games he had his bad games you could say the same thing for Mark Sanchez last year and in fact you could say that the offense was a bit more fluid last year with Sanchez is it really that big a deal that Bradford's out right now no it, it's not I I do think Sanchez has talent I do think that he is a decent quarterback again he just will have that one or two or three plays a game that just make you shake your head and you just have to hope that they don't turn into turnovers. Um, I, I do still like him in that system because they go so fast that he has less time to think about it. Um, I do think that really does help him. He has a lot of weapons around him, and now you know you get a week of just focusing on him uh, as far as practice goes, and, and maybe he improves. So I to me, it's not that big of a change for them. Gary, you know, I've you know, as a Dallas Cowboys fan, you know, I paid close attention to what the Eagles do, and uh, I was very, very concerned when I saw that Sanchez was still with the team, uh, and thought about the fact that there could be a point where Bradford either gets injured or benched because I think Sanchez is very fluid with this offense, just like Randy just said. Uh, I think there's some advantages of having Mark Sanchez a part of this offense. So I, I honestly feel like he can run it better. Uh, he's going to make those dumb mistakes, but he's going to pretty much, I think, uh, run this team with a lot better efficiency. <laughs> if, if he does, let's say he does play and he plays well. Uh, the, to be fair, they who are they playing? The I know they play the Lions on Thanksgiving. They're playing... Who on Sunday? Ooh, I need to look that up. Hold on. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, they're playing Tampa Bay. Let's say... Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The, the offense does look better. Again, you know, again, it is a bad team, and again, it is a bad team on Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Do you start Sanchez the rest of the year? It, it could honestly be a case of who has the hot hand, and you know, if he goes out there and gives you those two wins, I think you're riding with him. <laughs> Chip Kelly coming from the college side understands that, that sometimes 
you know, if you have two quarterbacks about the same talent level, whoever is is clicking better with the receivers, you go with him. So I think Sanchez goes two and zero over these two weeks. Even if Bradford is ready to go, they, you know, they'll stick with Mark. Yeah, I think you definitely do, and I think exactly how they're going to handle it. I mean, I feel like that they're going to say, well, look, you know, look what Bradford has done for us and look what Sanchez has done for us. It's just too much proof to put Bradford back in there. All right, let's look at another case. You know, uh, Matt Hasselbeck's having to play again because of necessity due to the lacerated kidney and all that for Andrew Luck. How many of these games do you realistically think that Hasselbeck's going to win for this team? Does, does he keep him in the hunt, or do we see them lose a lot more? They do have to play Atlanta in Week 11. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting game, and I'm really excited to watch that one because you have two teams kind of going downhill right now and, and you, to see which one will, will get things going. Uh, but I think, I mean, even if Matt Hasselbeck has to play the rest of the year for this team, I think... They're right there in the hunt. Um, obviously, we've said 100,000 times that this division is not very good, and probably a 7-9 and nine record is going to win this division, if not worse than that. So uh, he just has to maintain what they're doing right now. Uh, get one of those wins against either Atlanta or Pittsburgh, and then uh, other than that, you're facing a lot of division teams and a lot of teams that are slacking, and, and Matt Hasselbeck is a good enough quarterback to be able to to work enough magic, I think, to get that team to that 7-9, and 8-8 record, which is what they're going to need to do. Well, Gary, I mean, they've got the Falcons this week. Then they got the Bucks, Steelers, and Pittsburgh. That's, I mean, both the, the games are in Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Those are tough ass. Uh, you've got at Jacksonville, at home for Houston, and at home Tennessee at the end of the season, and you got the Dolphins in Miami uh, in between there. What do you, what do you see there in that that schedule? I think best case scenario he can win up to you know four games. I think that's the best case scenario here because uh, I really do feel like even if it's a Jacksonville that sneaks up and beats them or even Tampa Bay, uh, it's going to be uh, you know a difficult task. I mean, not that he's not a good quarterback and you know he's a great backup, but. I, I just think that's the best case scenario. I mean, if I'm going to be realistic, I really feel like maybe. You know, out of these next games, I mean, he could uh, probably win three of them. I, just, I don't know. I mean, not that he's not bad. I just, I have my concerns because we've seen the Colts struggle on both sides of the ball, not just on offense. Right. I mean, and then realistically, they are four and five right now. Like Randy said, you win three, you're seven and nine. That could legitimately win you this division right now. And I mean, it, you'd think that with Houston's quarterback woes, which we'll get into right now. I mean, and Jacksonville and Tennessee aren't got, aren't uh, quarterbacks you can totally bank on all the time. I mean, Mariota's probably the best out of all the ones that we're talking about in this division. But again, they're the ones with the steepest hill to climb. They're two and seven right now, with a with an divisional game that they already had to play on Thursday. You know, so uh, I mean, we are talking about Houston here. Whether it's Hoyer, whether it's C.J. Yates, I mean, that's. The, the the climb that they have to make in this division, which they, I mean, Houston still has to play Carolina. They have to, still have to play the Jets. They have the Saints. They have the Bills. They have New England. Uh, or not Carolina. They, Houston doesn't have to play Carolina. They have the Jets, 
Saints, Bills, Patriots, that game against the Colts, and then the Titans and Jaguars in the season. I mean, those are some really rough games to go out yeah. and win, right? Yeah, that's why I think as long as the Colts go 3-4 and four the rest of the way and one of those wins is against Houston, they're set because I do not see Houston winning four of these games. I, I just don't see four games where they win, especially if it's T.J. Yeldon next week against the Jets. I think the Jets will eat him alive. Hoyer, I do think, is a better quarterback. but but And then next week, I mean, the week after that, they get the Saints. I mean, yes, we're, we've destroyed the Saints, and they got rid of Rob Ryan and stuff, but and they made Kirk Cousins look like an MVP candidate, but do you really think a TJ Yates could could rip apart that defense? I, I just don't see it. So for them to go 4-3 and three is almost near impossible for me. I mean, the, the, the Jaguars have a nicer schedule with the Titans. They are at home against the, the Chargers. Then they play the Titans again. Then they play the Colts. They don't play the Falcons and Saints towards till towards the end of the season, and they have the Texans at the end. Uh, you'd you'd think that that's the the nicer schedule they would do better, especially if let's say one of the teams ahead of them falters. But do you see something there for them? Like, do you think that maybe if the maybe if Hasselbeck loses more than he should, the Jaguars could end up winning? the division with the schedule here, Gary. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely have a shot, um, but I just, I, I don't know why, but I, I still want to say that I think the Colts will be a little bit more favored in this. I, I think Jacksonville has done a great job. They, they've shown that they can beat, you know, uh, some of these teams that they're not supposed to beat, but I just, I, I feel like down the stretch, I think that they are going to probably fall in some games that they really um, probably should win. So, yeah, I'm stuck with the Colts on this one, if you're asking me right now. But Jacksonville's going to be very good. Let's say that Hoyer maybe is okay, but he's not totally ready. I mean, do you think TJ Yates has done enough to at least get himself the start against the Jets, Randy? Well, uh, to, to me, the problem with that is, I mean, it's a concussion, so... He can't just be okay. Uh, he has to be 100%. But, like, if he just barely passes the concussion protocol, say, like, on Saturday or something, and you've had TJ Yates, you know, out there all week, sure, go ahead and rest him for that that extra week because, I mean, realistically, the Jets have a great pass rush, and you have to be really worried about a reoccurring concussion again because, I mean, he's going to get knocked around, and, and you can guarantee – that if you put out a banged-up Hoyer out there who's just coming off a concussion, that's now the game plan is just to get to him. Just get hands on him on as many plays as possible and see if you can get him rattled. So if, if he's not ready, if he doesn't clear concussion protocol by, say, Thursday, I just think you come out and announce, you know, TJ Yates is our guy this week, and that's what you go with. All right, Gary, here's your moment. Uh-oh. We, we found out here Nick Foles is going to be benched for Case Keenum. Now, Jeff Fisher's saying maybe he just needs a little bit of a break. But Case Keenum is going to play this uh, next week here as uh, the Rams take on Baltimore, which is a team that hasn't been doing that well. Their defense isn't that good. Uh, it's in Baltimore, however. 
But Case Keenum's going to have some help with Mr. Gurley, and he has some good receivers. And Tavon Austin to, to play around with there, too. And we know Case Keenum lets it fly. Do you think Case Keenum gives the Rams just as good or a better chance to win than Nick Foles? Oh, definitely. I, you know, you're asking someone who, you know, loves this guy. But, I mean, let's be honest. What have you seen out of Nick Foles? Wait, really so, so why do you love this guy, Gary? You need to tell people why you have this, this thing with Case Keenum. Well, I mean, he played uh, really well with the Houston Cougars. He led that offense, and it was a really, really good offense with the Houston Cougars. Uh, there is a reason teams wanted him in the NFL, and it's because he's a proven winner. He can make things happen. He's a great passer. I really feel like this kid has been underrated. I mean, if you've been waiting for Joe Montana to come back on the scene, you just found him, kid. Oh, uh, God, Gary. We're getting <laughs> a little extra here. <laughs> okay, I kid. <laughs> No, I mean, everything I said before that Joe Montana part, I really do believe. This this guy has been given a, a shot here and there. You know, he played in Houston. He won some games, you know, and, of course, you know, he had his losses. But I think for the most part he's done a, a pretty decent job when he's came into play, and I really feel like that. He really can give a little bit of a spark here. I just don't think Nick Foles completely plays comfortable all the time. Let's be honest. He just does not make the decisions that I think – that a regular starting quarterback in this league needs to make. Uh, he proved it when he played for Philadelphia. He proved it for the St. Louis Rams, and he'll probably prove it for uh, another team as a backup somewhere. And, you know, we'll talk about that when he's starting for a starting quarterback that gets hurt next year. Um, but, I mean, wow. I, yeah, I, I think he's done. I just, man, you, you, the proof's in the pudding. How many times can you give this guy a shot? Give Case Keenum the shot here. I mean, he's got Baltimore. He's going to play. You know what? What if you know? Let's just talk about the future. What if Case Keenum goes into Cincinnati, and he has a good game, even if they don't win? What if he has a good game against Cincinnati? What are people going to say then? He's still got Jacksonville to play. He's got Detroit. Both those defenses can give up big plays, and of course Tampa Bay. I, I, I'm only seeing another game, and that's Seattle. They could be a, definitely a big hamper for him. So, I mean, Cincinnati and Seattle are the two games that you may not really like him a lot, but the rest of these games, I think he'll do a good job. And um, I'm excited about seeing him. I just really want to know what they're going to allow him to do because this is the first time that I really feel like he's had major weapons on his side. Tavon Austin, he's going to be able to get the ball to him. Not, right. just, not just handing the ball off. I mean, passing the ball to Tavon Austin. I mean, let's let's get the uh, unbiased take here on <laughs> Case Keenum or any all, all I want to know about Case Keenum is can he turn around and reach his arm out and hand the ball to Todd Gurley? <laughs> if he can do that, he's going to be fine. And I just want to make a, a small correction, Gary. I don't know uh, what you had seen, but it's not Jacksonville they play. It's Arizona they play after Cincinnati, um, looking at their schedule. Okay. is what I have on, on mine, but... Which yeah, they do have bit, to play their division opponents again. Yeah, which is oh, it is Arizona. I'm sorry. I oh, you're fine. I mean, we all just wrong team. I'm on. Go ahead. Looking through a def- different stuff, but yeah, I think that's a tough task for him too. But I agree. Listen, if he goes out there and beats Baltimore, which he definitely can, with as long as you know he he just kind of keeps himself reined in and doesn't try to do too much, I think they could win that game. And then he puts up a good showing. I mean, I don't see any reason not to to go with him. Nick Foles has shown nothing. Um, I'm not very uh, as high on Case Keenum, but I didn't see him in college. I wasn't watching Houston Cougar games. Um, but, yeah, to me, it's 
I think they keep with the same game plan of, of getting the ball to Todd Gurley and, and finding Austin in space and then going from there. And, you know, maybe Magic hits and, and he turns out to be this, this next great quarterback. But but I don't have high hopes, and I, I don't think St. Louis really does either. And it's just really fun to me that this major trade happens in the offseason that we talked about for weeks, and in the same week, they're both going to be sitting on the bench. The only thing I will say is that all that Case Keenum really has to do is be accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have to do a whole lot because that was the problem with Nick Foles. He wasn't accurate. He was overthrowing guys. He was underthrowing guys, throwing them at their feet. He was uh, just didn't look like he was making the right reads at times. He was he was trying to he was trying to do too much at times. I mean, just. Case Keenum, and that's the thing, too. He has speedy guys. He has Brian Quick, who's a tall guy who can get it down there. You throw it to him. You let him see it. You have a possession guy now, Wes Volker, who you can rely on to get the ball as long as he doesn't get himself hurt. I bet you right now Tom Brady wishes Wes Volker was still on the free agent market. He can go sign the Patriots go sign him again. I mean, it just... He's he's gonna have guys like uh, Gary alluded to to throw to. He just has to be able to get it to them, and that's all he has to do. And then don't forget, like like Randy said, you've got Gurley back there uh, to give him the ball. You got Trey Mason as long as he doesn't, uh, you know, fumble like he did in this game. Just honestly, Case Keenum, man, you better go in there and you better you want to have a job. Go in there and beat the Ravens. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I always kid around. I always kid around about Case Keenum because I really do like Case Keenum, but it's more about the mental side. I think I think the best hope for the Rams here is that he is a spark, and you know sometimes changing things up does help, but it's not a guarantee. You know, uh, you know, Randy just corrected me on the Arizona game, and that's completely a, a game I've missed. And I mean, that it's not the easiest schedule coming ahead of him, but like Sean said, if the kid can just keep things in front of him. Not try to do too much, but at the same time, you know, not be afraid. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I think he'll be okay too. I mean, he can't do much worse than what Nick oh, no. was doing. Oof. I, but uh, that being said, uh, we do have uh, other other quarterbacks to talk about here. Uh, Johnny Manziel finally is given the the green light that he is the starter for the whole year. Do you see the the Browns being more successful than they? I mean, they were they weren't too bad with McCown. Uh, so I mean, they were in games with McCown. How do you see things changing now with Benzel there? Like I said, I liked the way he looked in the pocket a bit more uh, this week. I mean, he didn't look as rattled. I I said when they played Cincinnati that. You know, he looked good in the first half, and then in the second half, they basically went, okay, now let's see what you can do in the pocket, and just kind of contained him, and he got rattled and stuff. He didn't get as rattled against Pittsburgh, and I liked what I saw there. He's still not really sustaining drives. Um, Him and Travis Benjamin obviously have a connection, and if you have Benjamin in fantasy, you love him. I would like to see him find Gary Barnage a bit more because he seems to be the most reliable guy on that team. And now that he's going to be practicing with the number one guys, I mean, these kind of connections will start. And it's just about him being able to find his place on this team. I mean, obviously, he's not your your typical quarterback. He likes to move around. Not, And uh, what I like about Menzel, he doesn't run to 
get rushing yards. He understands, like Russell Wilson, he's a smaller guy. He runs to find himself space so then he can find people downfield. It also uh, confuses defenses. Is he going to run? And then maybe they let a, a, a speedy Travis Benjamin get past them. So if they can come up with some tricky things in their game plan, Manziel could definitely be a starter in the league for a long time. And I'm glad that now that they are 2-8 and eight and the season is completely over, that now they're going to try to figure things out. Yeah, I mean, I think Menzel is not going to come in here and be the hero and, you know, just take this offense to the next level. Not that he doesn't have talent, but, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, it's a tall task to ask. Uh, I, I think both quarterbacks, like Randy alluded to, have done, a, a you know, a, a good job for what they've had, let's be honest. And so Manziel coming in here, it just it's the smart move. It's the right thing to do to see what you got in the future. And I love the fact that he'll have you know a chance to get on the field and practice with these first teamers and really get a good connection with them and get some chemistry going. Uh, we'll get a chance to really see in a few games here what kind of quarterback he really is, I think, and if he can work well with these other guys. So I'm excited about it. I think that, you know, um, he may be able to show us some things that you know we didn't expect he could do, but you know that's all to be seen. Did we hit all of them? I think Thanks. we talked about Yates, we talked about Keenum, we talked about Manziel, Hasselbeck. Uh, There's just so many. It's so sad. Yeah. Osweiler. <laughs> do we need to bring oh, up Osweiler? Osweiler. We yes. have to talk about Osweiler. Yeah. Yes, because this is important. Like, okay, we know Peyton Manning sits this week. Uh, now, they're making it seem like it's only this week or whatever, but we know plantar fasciitis is not something that you just come back from in a week. If you really want you know, with Peyton Manning at his age, now, obviously, if he still had the arm strength or whatever, just like Eli, he would have been able to uh, just kind of combat that and keep playing. But obviously, at his age, this really affects him. Osweiler. If he plays decently, how long do you sit, Peyton Manning? Do you wait the whole month until December? Or do you bring Peyton Manning back earlier, or do you bring back Peyton Manning at all? Okay, well, here's a good thing if you're Denver. You have a three-game lead in your division. That's the good news. The bad news is your next two games are at Chicago, who's red hot, and New England. Um, Even with Peyton Manning, that is two very tough games and you you have to expect Osweiler probably loses both of those so maybe now you're looking at your lead shrinking uh Kansas City who I think is our biggest threat is at San Diego and and hosting Buffalo to tough tasks as well so say they go one and one you still have a two-game lead so you're still sitting okay Uh, honestly to me I think you ride Osweiler as long as you can and let Peyton Manning rest up as much as you can. I mean, I think if all of a sudden you only have a one-game lead and the tiebreaker is not looking like it's going to go in your favor, you know, and Peyton Manning is 65 70%, I mean, you got to use him. I mean, you got to make the playoffs. But as long as you have a little bit of a lead, it's not looking like you're going to get a bye week and it doesn't look like anybody from the AFC South is going to catch you. So you're basically the three seed as long as you don't lose your division. So I say you just kind of run with Osweiler as long as you can and and let Peyton heal up. Uh, The one thing I'll say is that the Denver Broncos do not have an easy game on their schedule. Uh, Like Randy noted, not, not just the Bears and Patriots. They have the Chargers twice. Uh, 
they have the Raiders, they have at Pittsburgh, and they have the Bengals. I mean, none of those games are against a team. All of them are against a team that has a much better quarterback than you could say either Brock Osweiler or Peyton Manning at this point. So, and they also have, except for the Chargers, some pretty good defenses. I mean, that's that's not going to be in Osweiler's favor at all, and not even in Peyton Manning's favor either. Just, man, you're going to have to, I mean, you know Phillip Rivers will make some mistakes. You know Carr will do them. Brady will do them sometimes. You know, you know you can count on one from Cutler every game, but is that going to be enough? You know, to to win you a game is is one mistake from these quarterbacks going to be enough? You might have to count on a couple or three even to maybe give you a shot. It's just that's a lot to think about. I mean, Gary, Gary, what do you think? You agree with Randy, or do you have to play a little bit closer attention to everything? No, I mean, I, I mean, I'm kind of agree with Randy here. I, mean, I really feel like you know, Osweiler is a guy that you've really wanted to get a chance to see what he could do. Um, you know, you really want to know what life is like without Peyton Manning, and you're going to find out, right? So, I mean, I, I think you know, you give him the best opportunity you can. You let him, you know, get in there and get in the groove, and hopefully, he'll continue some success that they've had in the past. He's got so many weapons. It's hard for me to believe that you know he won't be able to have some success here. He's got a difficult schedule ahead of him. You pointed that out, and I agree with that. But, I mean, what the guys that he has on this team and that surround him, I mean, it's just way too much talent just to fall flat on their face, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of – I heard it today. I can't think of exactly who – I think they were comparing Brock Osweiler to, like, a Kirk Cousins, something like that. He's mm-hmm. not terrible – but he can do okay. Yeah, and he yeah. has talent around him enough to do okay. So we'll just have to see if things work out for the Broncos that way. Yeah, and, 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 and just real quick, I just want to, to answer your question about how long it is. You don't let Peyton Manning come back until he's healthy, at least till you think he can play. Uh, unless you're just so scared that you're not going to make the playoffs and you think he's your last resort, you got to get him healthy because uh, we've already seen what Peyton Manning looks like hurt. Right, and you know if I'm if I'm with uh, with Denver, like Randy said, if Oswald is willing to some games, try to see if you just wait till the playoffs to bring back Peyton Manning, because you want him to rest as much as you can. Maybe you play him a little bit in that Week 17 game if you got everything locked up or whatever, and and then you see how it goes from there because. We've seen Peyton Manning be this wonderful regular season quarterback, but when he gets to the playoffs, that's where he has some issues. And I think that's I think you have to let him play because you don't know what's going to happen next year. I think there may not even be a next year for Peyton Manning. So I think you have to let him play at some point, but I kind of agree with you guys. you got to ride Osweiler until, you know, you can't anymore. So, all right, now I think we are finally – done with uh, the quarterback talk. Um, Randy, what, what did you want to mention about college football here? I guess the main thing I, you, you can bring up is that I don't think the Pac-12 has realized that one of their teams has to do well if they want to make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, it's just been the craziest thing up here in, in the Pacific Northwest. They had three ranked teams going into this week. 
Uh, number 19, UCLA, who at home loses to Washington State, who all of a sudden is ranked. You had number 10, Utah, who goes down to Arizona and loses in overtime. And then you had number 7, Stanford, you know, your best chance to make the playoffs, and they lose to Oregon at home. So uh, I would like to say goodbye to any Pac-12 chances of making the playoffs this year. Uh, they have just decided to beat up on each other all year. And and there you go. On top of that, uh, uh, Gary had kind of mentioned it, but Oklahoma goes out and, and stuns Baylor. I mean, not the fact that they won, but I really feel like they completely controlled that entire game. I got to watch a lot of that. Uh, another big game, and Sean, I will give it to you right now. Speaking of domination, um, we you and I had talked after the podcast about how you were worried that Arkansas was going to give you another heart attack. Um, they decided instead of a heart attack that they would just go into LSU and dominate. <laughs> yeah, they did. Oh, man, I, I love it when Arkansas goes in and just whoops LSU for that golden boot. I, I, got, I can't say that I, I don't get a lot of joy out of that. It's just, man, I wish they would have been playing that well earlier in the season where we could be talking about them actually being a threat for something. Because, man, they've been so good lately. Just sucks they weren't weren't good the whole year. But that SEC is tough. And, I mean, look at this uh, playoff ranking now. It all stay the same, obviously. But you got Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Iowa. And then, like, you got Oklahoma State and, and uh, Oklahoma all down there, 6 and 7. I mean, goodness. We could see the Big 12 kind of finally get in due to some default stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean they they need things to kind of to roll their way. Uh, Ohio State has some some tough games coming up. Obviously, Alabama has the big SEC championship game and all of that, and and Notre Dame kind of has to worry because I mean the way college football works, you know, with strength of schedule, you, you know, they just had Stanford lose and. And and so that hurts their strength to schedule, which is weird to say. But I mean, they have to start worrying about maybe dropping out to a Oklahoma State or an Oklahoma because they just haven't really played anybody either. Uh, Clemson has to worry about you know letting one go. They let Stan or Syracuse stay in that game far too long. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. You had Iowa, who's just barely in there, holding off Minnesota, another team that you you think that they should blow out and they didn't. But again. You know, it's just with with college football and everyone will start freaking out. Oh, they didn't beat this really bad team by 30. It's like, well, at least they won. And that's the right. thing you have to remember is like they got pushed to the to the limit and they came out on top. And that's almost what I would rather see. I'd rather see a team get tested and prevail than go up against a four and five Minnesota team and beat them by 30. I don't think that shows as much to me as it does where Minnesota gave them everything they could and Iowa comes out on top so it's going to be really interesting these last couple of weeks we only have a few weeks left before you know conference uh, championship games start happening and 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 things start coming into play so it's going to be really crazy i think for college football soon yeah certainly i mean uh wow yeah I, we got some some decent games uh what is it uh this week and week 12 we got Michigan State and Ohio State. That's yeah, going to be a big one. That's a big one. Uh, USC and Oregon would have been bigger had they both been 
higher ranked. Yeah, you have, you have Michigan on the road against Penn State. Maybe not as much as far as as, as playoffs go, but but I mean, I think that's going to be a close. A lot of huge ones in the Big Twelve. Baylor and TCU could both play spoilers. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. You know, uh, two teams that you know beat the other two. Yeah, I think you know we've had we've had weeks where the SEC was prominently featured. We've had weeks where the Pac-12 is prominently featured. This week is definitely it's the it's a Big Twelve weekend and it's a Big Ten weekend. Both of those conferences are going to be on showcase in full, and we get to see how their best teams hold up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we got to get to Gary's uh, top five uh, waiver pickups for next week. Yeah, guys, I'm trying to quickly get through this. Uh, you know, we got one guy on this list that I think you've got to have on your roster only because of one guy, that is Tom Brady. Tom Brady loves these guys that are small but quick receivers, and Danny Amendola is one of them. Now that Julian Edelman is out, at least until the playoffs, hopefully, uh, Danny Amendola is going to become his guy. He's going to have to get the ball out quick to him. He's going to have to find him, and he will, trust me. So if you need a receiver, this is the guy to have. Trust me, I'm trying to get him in a lot of my leagues. I think you should, too. Um, and we came out with this podcast a little later uh, than usual. So if you didn't get him on Tuesday, maybe make a uh, – you know, try to get him in some of these other leagues you may have a chance to. Um, let's go ahead and jump over, though, to what we talked about earlier, quarterbacks. Now, when I was talking about Osweiler, I said that he could have an upside because of his, uh, you know, great talent around him. I still stay true to that. I think that he's got some great receivers that he can depend on. I think that the running backs can definitely help him. Uh, and he could dump the ball off, and maybe they can hit a home run. So Osweiler is a guy that if you need a quarterback, he could possibly help you out here. And Case Keenum, I know I keep talking about him all the time. I love him, but hey, you know, let's be honest. He's got some good guys on his team as well. And if he does become that spark, you want to have him. He's not going to save you and save your season if you're losing. But you know what? He could be a great replacement if you play a two-quarterback league. Uh, and then, of course, let's look over here at receiver. Dwayne Harris has been doing it up in New York. We've seen some big games by him. A lot of people are still unsure about him. Don't be unsure about him anymore. Victor Cruz is going on IR. This is going to be Eli's guy. He's going to be kind of like his Danny Amendola in a way. He's going to depend on Dwayne Harris. We've seen it in the past, and it'll depend on him in the future. And, of course, last, guys, let's talk about a deep sleeper. But then again, maybe not. Zach Miller. Jay Cutler is using him and has been enjoying him for the last two to three weeks. He could be a guy that maybe help you if you're really desperate at tight end. Maybe even, you know, think that you can put him in your flex. So he's a guy that you may call a sleeper for sure, but, hey, he's been successful as of late. So there are your top five waiver guys. Yeah, that's uh, some guys you need to go pick up, especially if you're needing quarterbacks or – or a big receiver, I, I might have to have Denny Omendola on, on my list for sure. Well, let's get to this uh, top five power ranking, which might see some movement now that Green Bay lost again. And Arizona got themselves a, a huge win. Uh, Cincinnati lost. Uh, does that move them at all? What do you think, Gary? Well, on my top five this week, number one still is New England. Now, you've got to think 
you know, a few guys on the Giants defense for that <laughs> because, you know, they had some interceptions they could have had. And, of course, Gostowski had to get that game-winning field goal for them to stay in that number one spot. But still, they stay true. I, I got to keep them up there. Uh, my number two right now is Carolina. Yes, and that is right. I had Cincinnati at that number two spot, but they fell way down because – they did not complete a game that they probably should have won, and that is against the Houston Texans. But Carolina, to me, is very impressive still. Uh, they struggled a little bit more than I expected them to against Tennessee, but they showed perseverance. They showed that they were still going to be aggressive. So Carolina is my number two. Number three for me is Arizona. They showed me a lot in this last game against a Seattle defense that is still stout, is still strong. And, of course, they beat Seattle on their home field. So you got to give them a lot of credit for that. So Arizona is my number three. Number four for me is still Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is still a strong team. I don't think you can ignore that. I think that they'll probably overcome some of their problems on offense. Uh, so number four for sure in that spot for me. Number five is Minnesota. That's right. Green Bay fell out for me. And that's not just because the fact that, you know, Minnesota is leading this, you know, division. Uh, but I just think that Minnesota right now is playing really hot, playing with all three phases. That's something that Green Bay is not doing right now. So for sure, I, I think Minnesota is going to be in my number five for at least this week. Uh, well, Randy and I have the same five. <laughs> we all have the same five. Oh, yeah, wow. good job, Gary. You described it extremely, exactly the way. Oh, jeez, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I look into the list now, and I'm like, you got, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's a crazy. Huh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, other than, like, moving Cincinnati out for somebody, I mean, is there really any other five right now? New England, Carolina, Arizona, Cincinnati, Minnesota. Minnesota's been hot for a while now. Uh, they keep winning. They keep winning games tight you know the Bengals lost but it wasn't like they got blown out you know yeah I mean yeah go ahead to me there's a lot of hot teams going on right now that may threaten the top five here in a week or two Pittsburgh was the only one I really thought about maybe putting in the top five but I wouldn't put them ahead of Cincinnati or Minnesota but other than that like the really hot teams right now it's like Kansas City is not quite there yet Chicago is not quite there yet uh, so it, it's tough, really, to dethrone. They also still five. have losing records. Right yeah, exactly. I mean, but they are the hottest teams, other than these five. So it's it, there is a big separation between the really great teams, which I think there are six of right now, and everyone else. Right. Uh, so that leaves us to do our player of the week, which again, let's run this down. Uh, it keeps getting longer every week now. Uh, with uh, week one was Carlos Hyde. Where's he been? Week two, Tom Brady. Week three, AJ Green. Week four, Devontae Freeman. Uh, he keeps getting quieter. Of course, he was on bye. Uh, week five, Eli Manning. Week six, DeAndre Hopkins. Week seven, Kirk Cousins. He's certainly in the running this week. Week eight, Drew Brees. Week nine, Antonio Brown. Well, where's everybody picking this week? To be fair, we try to be a little like we don't try to pick the same people every week. So, and we also try to pick a different guy for each one of us. So, you know, that's that's the way we do it. Obviously, again, I I made the point that Kirk Cousins threw four touchdowns and had himself a game. He certainly could be in the running again uh, for for a Week Ten pick. But, but what did you guys pick here? Yeah, I almost went with Kirk Cousins. Uh, obviously, a great game for him. Four touchdowns, over 300 yards. But listen, we we just spent an entire segment talking about all of these quarterback changes and. And all of these backups that are going to be starters. And 
there's only one guy on this list that was a was the best backup of all time, and that was Big Ben Roethlisberger coming off the bench and leading <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers for a victory. He throws for almost 400 yards, throws two touch, three touchdowns. This looks amazing. So I got to give it to him for for going out there on one foot uh, in a game that he was hurt so bad that they didn't want to even start him, and he comes out and puts up numbers like that. So I mean, I have to give it to to him. I know what you're saying came out on one foot, but he also beat the Cleveland Browns, which have been terrible on defense. Uh, give me a Seattle defense that was pressuring Carson Palmer all day. Carson Palmer had to make some crazy throws. Uh, he equally has just as good receivers as uh, Ben Roethlisberger does, but he threw 363 yards, three touchdowns uh, against a- in Seattle, by the way. That's, that's not something you hear of all the time. Uh, I, I got to give it to him. Uh, you guys love the quarterbacks this week. I love the kickers. I got Steven Kostowski. What a big kick. I mean, it's his foot's the difference between New England being undefeated and not undefeated. Uh, and he really just sealed the deal for them. So I, I really feel like he deserves some credit here. Uh, you know, that's not easy. And they weren't exactly close. I think it was like, what, a 40-something yard field goal, I believe. So, I mean, for me personally, Stephen Gostowski has to give my vote this week. So, how are we going to narrow this down, guys? Yeah, I will say, I mean, obviously you hit a 54-yarder to win a game to, to stay undefeated. You definitely deserve that credit. So, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you put him up there. But when that was one of two field goals you made, not as as high there. I, I would lean more towards Sean's, I guess, because I, I, I see where he's coming from. It's a much tougher opponent. It is on the road. Um, I am sour on Carson Palmer fantasy wise because um, could you find Larry Fitzgerald in the end zone once, please? <laughs> but <laughs> but but uh, uh, being in my NFL themed bowling league that that I help run on Sundays in the Pacific Northwest, which has a lot of Seattle fans, both bandwagon and real fans. Um, I love making fun of the real fans, calling them bandwagoners, just for the reaction, but. Watching them react to Carson Palmer just shredding them and then them just flipping a lid when uh, I forget the receiver now who looked like he caught the ball and dropped it and it was first called a fumble and and then they reversed it as an incomplete pass because he didn't hold it long enough for them to, to watch eight or nine grown men try to d- d- tell me that he took two steps in a football move. And I told him, I asked him, what's a football move? He goes, well, that, what he just did right there. I go, well, you don't know that. The refs don't know that. <laughs> they don't know what a football move is. Yeah. And, and so why, just watching a bunch of grown men try to tell me what a football move was, I think was my, 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 my uh, highlight of the entire weekend. So Before, before yeah. we get out of here, I forgot to ask this while we were doing this game. And I, and I heard it mentioned, uh, I think it was Rich Eisen was talking about it during his show today. And I think it's something we they, they maybe should consider because we saw, okay, Golden Tate earlier, his feet are there, that's a touchdown. Although Beckham, Randy kind of had a point, he was turning, his second foot wasn't completely down. But some, you know, we've, we've seen times where they call that a, a touchdown or whatever. Do they need to have special rules for what's a catch in the end zone and what's a catch in the rest of the field? I think they already do, and I think that was shown with the play I just brought up because 
If you go back and watch the Golden Tate play, which when Sean, you and I were having the discussion a couple days ago, I went back and watched that play. Um, uh, Golden Tate gets his two feet down and his third one is about to come down. And then the ball comes out and they called that a touchdown. In the case in the Arizona game, the receiver, I believe, even got his third foot down before getting hit. And they called that an incomplete pass because the whole football move thing. I think when you're in the field of play, you have to make a football move. And when you're in the end zone, it just ha- you have to get to the point where you look like you're about to be a runner or you're, you have a chance to become a runner, which, I mean, it's, it's convoluted and, and makes no sense. But it's kind of already there. And I honestly think that's why people have so much gripe is because they're two completely different things, and it almost needs to be one. With the Odell Beckham yeah, one... Yeah, but, but you don't move at the end zone a lot of times. Well, I agree, but it's, 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 it's just one of those weird things. So I'm, what I'm saying is it should be the same in the field. If you would have called it a touchdown, you call it a catch, is what I'm saying. If you're saying him in the end zone had it enough where it's a catch, then in the field, you don't have to make a football move. It, it, they should be closer together than I think they are. As far as the Odell Beckham one is, field, that's weird though. It's just like you're not going to move at all. It's just as long as you have your feet down and you catch the ball, that's it. Like, that's a catch. Two feet down. I mean, unless you're going to the ground, which is the whole Des Bryant thing, which we won't get into. I know that's our subject for Cowboys fans. Uh, but to me, if you're in the field of play and you catch the ball and two feet have hit the ground, that's a catch. Mm-hmm. With the Arizona play, it was he had he had the ball, he had his two feet have touched the ground. He was going for his third one. I believe it even connects before the ball comes out, and they're like, "Well, that's not quite a football move." To me, if you have two feet down and the ball in your hands, that's a catch. If it comes out right after that, it's a fumble. I mean, that's just to me. I mean, it's it's one of those really touchy things, and that's the problem. Like everyone gets on the refs for not knowing what a catch is, but it is so pinpoint and how fast some of this stuff goes with getting hit right after the ball comes in and how long do you have to have the ball and it's actually a very difficult thing to break down and then you you have the two different ones in the goal line and but but that's why you have the two different ones in the goal line because in the goal line that means the play's done right like you score a touchdown there's nothing else to do you're not running anymore like and if you feel the play, the whole point is not just to catch the ball, but to keep going once you have the ball. So you're going to have a lot more of these bang, bang ones that you're going to call a fumble that back, you know, before. If you change the rule and you make it more like the end zone one, well, then you're going to have a lot of these bang, bangs, or you're going to have a lot more fumbles. So I, this is a, a stupid question, and it's it's one of those as just trying to be the the evil dude trying to break down a rule or whatever but so say you do a curl route like in the middle of the field it's like third and four or whatever so you go out for a a five six yard curl route and you catch the ball and you're standing still because obviously you've turned in complete stop if you catch that ball and you've held it for two three seconds and somebody comes and hits you and you drop it is that an incomplete pass then because you haven't made a football move that, I think that's different because he's not trying to move. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like because that's why I think it needs to be closer. Because I mean, there's always that one where you go, "Well, there's no football move there," unless trying unless to bring he it. Turns around and breaks yeah. the tackle and yeah, and, and then stuff like that. So there's 
it's it's weird and obviously i mean we're going to complain about it for the end of time because there's no i mean there's no clear way to come up with what is a catch and what isn't it's it's going to be objective and you know there's different ways to catch the ball whether you're going to the ground or if you're standing up or or with odell beckham it was like his his second foot is just hitting when the ball comes out. So do you count that foot as in before? Because obviously he held the ball forever. You go back to the Des Bryant thing where his feet hit the ground five times, but he's going down the entire time. So do you, do you count those as steps or do you just count them as feet in? Obviously they counted them as feet in, not steps. So it was ruled as in the process of going to the ground. So, I mean, there's there's so many things that you can look at, and it's one of those things that if you are a fan of the team, you you feel like you always get screw, screwed by it. I mean, that's just kind of how we work as fans, and I don't think there will ever be a clear-cut way to decide this because it goes so fast at times that, I mean, it's so tough to decipher. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It is tough to decipher, but that's why I think it needs to be more concrete. I mean, uh, I just don't like when the referees can be selective on what they think and what they're going to nail down. And of course, if it's not up to them, it's up to New York. And I just think that's it's way too much. I, I, I just I really feel like kind of what you were saying earlier, Randy. You know, you catch it, you got two feet down. It's it, that's what it is. There you go. Uh, you know, turn around, run, stand still, whatever. You, you that's your chance to hold on to the ball. Why don't we teach the you know these receivers to to really hold on to the ball and do a better job doing it? I mean, I, that's the way I feel about it. I really feel like you got to give the opportunity for coaches to coach the you know the receivers better. That way, when we're watching the game, we're not stopping for long periods of time. So I, I got two questions for you guys, and I'm curious. Um, so the first one is: Do you think? especially because of the pass rules and how tough they are, that the NFL finally needs to give in and make full-time refs so in the offseason they can really work on what is and what isn't a catch. They did, they, they should have had full-time refs a long time ago. I'm with you there. This is a league that makes enough money to have full-time refs. But I think if you have full-time refs, this becomes less of an issue because then you're spending all of this offseason right, exactly. camps just working on what is, what isn't a catch, and getting everyone on the same page. And my second one, I just want to run through. I'm just curious how you guys think about these, just to kind of show you how we all all are different. So Odell Beckham last week, catch or no catch? Catch for me. Gary? Uh, I think it's closer to catch than not a catch, personally. And see, I, I really didn't think it was. Um I, I, again, I don't know if you can remember this play off the top of your head, but the, the Arizona player in the Seattle game. Oh, I I did think it was, that was like, the freaking. It was in a. I want to say it was a third quarter. Like it, it's 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 unfair to ask this now without doing the, the perfect research to remember what the play was. But I believe it was in the third quarter because it was a little bit before I left. Uh, but it was a receiver going across the middle makes a makes what looks like a catch in a couple steps, and then Seattle was getting that big turnover they needed. But so I'll skip that one. Obviously, I'm sure you both think Des Bryant's was a catch. Oh, Des was a catch. That that was a catch. Like <laughs> Gary, I mean, I don't know what you think, but that was a catch to me. 
No, I mean, I, I agree. And, you know, watching it over and over and over again, I mean, I feel like it is. And I've heard a lot of experts agree it is. And I, you know what, it's not even about my opinion. You know what I say? I say if the corner that's closest to him says it's a catch, I'm going to go with that. And, and the corner said, yeah, it's a catch. Well, see, for me, and it's one of those goofy things, do I think it was a catch? Yes. According to the rules, was it a catch? I don't think so. Because, again, even though his feet hit the ground several times, he is in the process of going down, which brings up a different section of that rule. So then him stretching out cost him. But for him to have the ball that long and his feet to make contact several times, to me, it should be a catch. This is one of those things. I think it's a catch. Rules-wise, not so much. Um, Well... Uh, Golden Tate's catch this year. Was it catch or no catch? Yeah, yeah, I, I go catch as well. I mean, I just, I really felt like it was. Yeah, I think that's a catch. Now, the Golden Tate catch against Green Bay a couple years ago. Oh, that was <laughs> <a catch. laughs> no, we all know like, that wasn't. I, I just had to go there, but it's, it's, it's just interesting. I mean, uh, we agree at some parts, but there's points where you, us, I mean, we're not experts as far as officiating goes. But we have differing opinions in, in, in some of these spots. And I think that's where the refs are now, too, is differing opinions on what a catch is. So if, if you go to full-time refs and you have camps on catching and get everyone on the same page, I, I think that's the, the closest you're ever going to get to cleaning up this mess. I have one more before we get at it. Uh, because of that Jacksonville play, uh, at the end of the game where pretty much it decided the game and Baltimore would have won had they not allowed that play to happen, which they shouldn't have because it snapped at zero. When I could see it was zero when I first saw the play. And I was seeing it in the, the bang. Like the condensed version doesn't have that time where you just watch them snap for like 10 seconds or whatever. It's like right to the snap and then they go. So like I'm like, that's zero. That play shouldn't have counted, you know, and they go ahead and let him snap it and he falls down and whatever. But, you know, they were thinking about, I don't know, I don't know if we talked about this or not. They, they were thinking about really expanding replay to the point where they might include penalties. And to me, I think this brings up the whole, why don't they have a guy that it's his whole job is to sit there and just watch a play and go, you know what, there wasn't pass interference on that play. You know what, there wasn't this on that play. Like, why don't they have a guy watching the clock and going, he snapped that at zero, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 that needs to be reviewed. Like, Yeah, I, I can see that happening for plays like like your, the second one you brought up about like the clock and, and the 12 men on the field so they don't have to go through the slow replay process for those where he can go, no, 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 this happened or whatever. Uh, as far as pass interference and and those kind of calls, I think you have to keep them as objective as possible. I, I don't want to sound like an old school guy here, but I mean, if you really break down a tape, there's pass interference on every play. There's holding on every play. Right, right. Uh, I mean, you just have to start looking for it. So I like that, you know, you the defenders and the wide receivers then have to feel out the refs to figure out how much they're going to allow as far as, you know, putting your hands on each other or, or pushing off and stuff like that. And, and 
in that way, it feeling a little different. Like an umpire in baseball, they all have their different strike zones, so you have to kind of figure him out as well as the the pitcher. So it's I, I'm okay with with those. Obviously, if they miss a pass interference, that was blatant uh, because they were just weren't in the right position to see the push off or anything like that. It does suck, but again, I don't want to have nine different. Um, stoppages to fix something because somebody has looked at a replay that has slowed it down and went, okay, no, that was pass interference. And besides that, we have enough penalties as it is. Yeah. I mean, but things like that where the clock matters. Yeah. No, absolutely. I have that, a guy for that because there's times where uh, we saw it in some of these games where like the, the, the guys that wind the clock are from, you know, the home team and sometimes they'll have the clock wind what was it in that Pittsburgh game? They had it wind like 18 like, seconds. Yeah, 18 seconds just ma- magically go off the clock. And yeah. This, it does not need to be a home field person, I think. And these, we Listen, they hired a new person to protect the footballs. They can hire somebody to protect the clock. And, and you know, it's just one step at a time. It's, I think in the offseason we'll have somebody have that job at every game and and – you know, go from there. All right. Well, uh, we turned this into a longer one, but I think it was a much more uh, interesting with with a, a lot more topics and, and things to discuss here. But, yeah, we'll be back on uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, with our preview for NFL uh, Week 11 and also, you know, talking about that Thursday night game and see if it is a defensive battle if it was a shootout or whatever it was uh we'll we'll have it down for you there until then uh you can find us uh on itunes stitcher wherever it is there are podcasts if you're listening to us uh on youtube uh, that we're there wtm network uh you can find the other podcasts there the wrestling podcasts and and the co-op multiplayer and randy also has uh his own podcast about old video games tell everybody about it yeah if, if you like uh two nerdy dudes discussing uh, video games they missed in their past uh, definitely check out backlogbusting.com where me and a buddy will talk about three video games every two weeks of games from anything ranging from like the nes days to uh, even today's games, like in our next podcast, I'll be talking about Shadow of Mordor. So uh, we range in all all varieties of games. Also check out our YouTube channel. Uh, it's the Backlog Busting Project on YouTube where we are going through playing Mario Maker levels. Alrighty. Well, yeah, now officially until Thursday, we will see you then. Later, everybody. <laughs>